0: And we're not going to go religion here. We're going to just go with a story about Noah's Ark. If the whole earth was covered in water and there was ravaging floods and disruptive weather to where you had to build this boat, that's 351 feet cubits. long cubits. cubits
1: cubits which is a have we converted cubits to a, the metric system or the american yeah. so uh, the cubit
0: is from the tip of your finger to the elbow okay and it should range my, around 21 and a half inches or my, my, my elbow or, or, your or elbow. A hispanic <laughs> penis it's same thing
2: uh, <laughs> as it's, we digress the,
0: the cubit i guess it's based off of like however long their arms were back then which could have been longer than ours I don't know it could have been that could have been tall but 21 and a half inches is the consensus on what this cubit, cubit. okay here to there yes, if buddy. you're in this ravaging storm and everything on earth is ravaged okay that means the trees are gone you sabe
3: everything's gone but the dove
0: <laughs> <laughs> cheers <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> to that, Joe. The, the, the dove and everything on the boat. So say the boat lands on this Mount Cyanide or whatever. Yeah. you say Cyanide.
4: <laughs> <laughs> he said cyanide.
0: <laughs> it was a
2: deadly cruise. Hey, flat during
5: good times, tall, tell some big lies, fall under your category. Get with Aaron and Joe's, cause you know you want to go. Hear them cooking up a story. Just get with Aaron and Joe. Say you know you want to go and hear them cooking up a story.
2: All right. This episode is brought to you by Coorsy Smoke Meats, St. Joe, Arkansas, right on Arkansas Highway 65. Wait, that's U.S. Highway 65. Don't forget them. They're great. Good smoked meats, ham, turkey, cheeses, deer sausage, and don't forget the bacon. Coorsy's. Yeah, you can t- contact Coorsy's at 870-439-2503, and it's starting to cool off, and they'll start sending you some meats. Is that right, Bill? Yeah, I think just right after Labor Day sometime or another for the holidays, and they're open Wednesday. No, they're open Thursday through Monday. Thursday through Monday every week, open at 10 a.m. Certified Bill Walker best bacon on the planet. Best bacon on the planet. These guys are going to talk me out of some of mine. Ha-ha, <laughs> get you some, guys. Well, ladies and gentlemen, here we are with another broadcast of cooking up a story with Aaron and Joes. We've got two Joes, but no Aaron today, and we have a special guest from the Ozark Podcast, Kyle Veet. Kyle, welcome. Thank you, Bill.
1: I appreciate it. What is Ozark Podcast? Man, that's a great question. Coming out hot. I like it, Joe. Right out, uh, right uh, off the bat. Yeah. Uh, the Ozark Podcast is um, it is a podcast it's it's exactly what it sounds like it's a podcast where we talk about the ozarks we talk about hunting and fishing in the ozarks conservation um and really anything that we're interested in which typically revolves back around hunting and fishing we're we're behind that
0: we're big fans of the hunting. you like that stuff yeah but on our show we we take you back how old are you right now 27 okay we're going to take you back at least 25 years you're about two years old. Two. 97. You're, woo, you're crawling around. 10 years after I graduated high school. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're crawling around. Bill, no, when did you graduate? 45
4: years prior to 97, <laughs> I do believe.
1: So, so you're crawling around. Where's the house located? So I was born in Fort Smith, raised in Fort Smith. The other side of the tunnel. Other side of the tunnel, south of Bobby. Bobby Hopper. Who is Bobby Hopper? Do you know? Uh,. Man, I looked it up one time because I was curious. I think he had something to do with our transportation. I think that's it. He was a pioneer in transportation in the state of Arkansas. Do you think he'd be proud of knowing there was a tunnel named after him? I think he would. The only tunnel
0: in the state of Arkansas?
1: Would you be proud if you had a tunnel named after you?
0: I got two kids that come out of a tunnel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're both
1: named after <laughs> <laughs> And they're
0: both named Bobby. Bob. No, <laughs> damn it, Bobby. <laughs> no. Uh, would I be proud if a tunnel was named after me?
1: I mean, who wouldn't, right?
0: I mean, there's, a, well, just for starts, there's way too many Joe Wilsons. And so if I said, hell, they named that tunnel after me, they said, no, nah, that's that Joe Wilson from Mobile. <laughs> or joe wilson the cheerleader from the u of a i used yeah. to get his dry cleaning when i'd go to the dry cleaners or <laughs> and joe and, and wilson and he kept it all <laughs> yeah <laughs> or joe wilson the math teacher for bentonville high school who i also got his dry cleaning and uh his stuff was way too big a lot of nautica
3: this town's
0: there. not big enough for more than one joe wilson uh, man that's why i had to brand my name off of squirrels and stuff that's a good way to uh, do it because everybody else did stuff that was cool
1: <laughs> so I had to. Try. Hey, you can't get any cooler than squirrel. So you <laughs>
0: grew up in Fort Smith.
1: Yep, I was I was born and raised in Fort Smith. lived there until I was about nine. Um, actually, when I was nine years old, my dad got a job in McKinney, Texas. Took me out of the Ozarks, the place that I grew up, loved spending time in. Uh, we had property down on the Mulberry River, and that was where I credit a lot of my passion for the outdoors. How far from Shore Lake? Shores Lake. Um super close. Actually the, the name of the road that our property was on is Shores Lake Road. Yeah, do you know anything about Bucksnort? Um
0: in what context? <laughs> Bucksnort off of Shores Lake Road. I guess it would be Oh the road, Bucksnort. No. I don't even know that the it's a camp. Bucksnort. I don't off of Shores Lake Road. Right up there at the top tell me. Tell me about it. It's probably the coolest camp on the Mulberry. It's a bunch of, uh, I'd like to say like minded individuals, but I don't think I could really state that. Uh, guys, guys of all different walks of life. Okay. That would get together and have a good time. We do a sausage fest at Bucksnort on Shores Lake Road. Um, we pull and tug
3: and stuff. <laughs> So if you take Shores Not Lake Road, out here. if you take Shores Lake Road and get about as <laughs> high elevation wise as you can, yep, and hang top a of le- hang a left, okay, and it looks like a, just a logging road, and it, it goes is down a, to it's a it's forestry road, now. yeah, forestry
0: road. Go down there and it's
3: there's a gate. You I go tell you what, gate. if you're in a
0: twenty-eight foot. 1978 rv with the 454 motor it's with, a chore with no mirrors <laughs> or uh wind wipers in <laughs> a thunderstorm it's it's a booger getting back in there
1: interesting bill have you been in this place i don't know these that. guys I seem have. like they've been there quite a bit
0: you got to get kind of blood in blood out oh yeah it's gotta it's you gotta be invited can i tell you how i got invited i would love to hear so i was cooking bear chili Actually, I got hired to cook chili for an office complex uh, in North Bentonville. and I had to feed a couple hundred people. See, what happens is any time an office has a chili cook-off for, for the office, typically that chili sucks real bad. Sure. Because people think that chicken goes in chili, and they'll mm-hmm. make basically clam chowder. Mm. Incorrect. It's, White beans and uh, yeah, like
1: that. In- mm. Incorrect.
0: And so what happened to me was one day I had a spiritual moment. And I, I was a young man. I looked outside. And I'm not sure if it was Jesus or not, but I seen a vision. And it said, Joe, let me give you the recipe for the finest chili. And Cook so, it and they will come. Uh, so what <laughs> does a man do? He has to accept this privilege. Amen. And so I took the recipe, which in it's my version of a true Texas red chili. Cooked in a great big old cast iron Dutch oven. There's no tomatoes. There's just chilies and large chunks of meat inside
1: there. Texas chili has no beans, right? No beans. Oh, no. Just really. on the side. It's okay on the, it side. on the side. that's if you're a hippie. Yeah, you okay. Um, so, and, <laughs> you don't a wanna,
0: and you don't want to use the same ladle for both pots. Yeah. We heard that story. Yeah. So I got hired to cook this chili. So I decided I was going to make three pots of chili. I was going to make... My religious pot, which is the way God planned on chili to be made, which was my version of Texas Red. I was going to make a huge pot of what I consider woman chili. And woman chili is like how a woman would cook it, which would be... He's trying to say woman. I'm <laughs> <laughs> having a hard time hearing you through that accent. <laughs> it would be a lot like Wendy's. It's got, you know, beans and a bunch of vegetables. Crap, like women would make, and it it would have hamburger meat in it, and so I made shoot, I don't know thirty gallons of that, and then what I, do you make a thirty gallon bucket of chili in a great big hundred quart pot. It's a hundred quart and thirty gallons. Does that math work? I don't know. I think it was four quarts a gallon. Is that right? Somewhere in It'll there, maybe twenty five. Maybe okay, it's a hundred twenty quart pot. And then I had some bear meat and so i made bear chili and the bear chili did anybody go to hallucinating that night? well our fan our friend rambo i didn't know at the time he was sitting over there he's, he's got bangs gray hair nice head of hair good full head of hair really nice teeth and he, <laughs> he was kind of he come up and he says what's the chilies i said well that but there's the real deal heavenly chili that's a woman chili and that that there's bear chili he says why is it called bear chili i said well because it's got by god bear in it real bear yeah he said i'll take the bear chili so i put him out a ladle of it and he's sitting over there and he's eyeballing me the whole time as he's eating it's just staring at me and tyler was with me and i said tyler there's some weird dude over there <laughs> staring at me as he eats this chili So Rambo comes back, and I don't know he's Rambo. He says, my name is Ramsey. You could call me Rambo. I said, hello, Rambo. He said, I'll take another bowl of that chili. I said, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you one more bowl of it. If you come back for any more, you're going to wind up scratching your back on a tree or something over (laughs) there. So I said, this is it. So the next day, I'm at the office, and I get an email, and there's about 20 guys up in the top that are all connected and it said meet joe wilson he's a member of our church and there's kind of a bio on me and i don't know any of these people and uh, the phone rings and it's rambo and he says joe rambo hi rambo he said did you get my email i said i did what did you think how did he get your phone number i got here. my email from old lindsey or whatever her name was there at Boterra i got you and uh he said, uh, you like sausage? I said, yes, sir, I love sausage. He said, how much you like sausage? I said, well, hell, it's one of my favorite things. <laughs> he says, you ever make sausage? Oh, yeah. Do you like tugging and pulling, stuffing? I said, hell, yeah. I said, I, I'm a big fan of it. He says, great. I'm going to send you the information. Kyle, you ever making sausage? I actually have made sausage. edible <laughs>
4: So. I could
3: but tell I'm not sure that, how. I could, <laughs> I I could <laughs> tell it by them boots you were wearing. This year. <laughs> so so I'm directly. not sure how I <laughs> would have
1: answered that question, though, if someone's asking me that. So directly, no
0: I receive a second email. And this email is the directions down Shores Lake Road to get to Bucksnort. It's sausage fest. That's we're why we're talking coming around. here. Yeah. I right, forgot why here we here got in go. the story. <laughs> and you didn't find it the first time, did you? <laughs> no, I drove past it several times. So I'd called Joe. I'd called a bunch of people. I said, "Hey, I'm going to this sausage pool, sausage fest deal. You guys want to come?
3: Hell no! No, 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 no. no. You didn't call me because I, I, would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't invite it the first time.
0: I called a bunch of people. No one. He wanted. called everybody <laughs> but me because I would not invited. <laughs> <it again. laughs> no, nobody wanted to go because we didn't know who was there and uh so i sent the email to my wife and i said this is where i'll be this weekend now i just read the top i didn't see the attachment and the attachment was a picture a flyer and on the flyer there was a half nude man in a canoe there was a half nude nude man it might have been you in the picture i don't know fly fishing (laughs) does that
2: mean you're wearing a swimsuit
0: uh oh that's a good point we couldn't tell billy
2: you're
0: at the river nude torso from like the Mm -hmm. waist up yeah and then there was axe throwing all this manly stuff she said did you see the flyer i said no i didn't open it up you still gonna go i said sounds like a hell of a story so i show up at sausage fest and rambo ain't there it's just a bunch of people i've never seen before in my life and and, uh, I i get out of the rig and I hear, you must be Joe Wilson. I said, yes, I am. Old Bud says, come give me a hug. Uh-oh. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He said, a hug. Come give me a hug. And so I hug him, or he hugs me, and he reaches down there and taps on my buttocks. Mm. <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, what did I get myself into? a sausage
2: fest is it? <laughs> hey, yeah, what there's we?
0: a, well, there's a hot tub. <laughs> what are we doing here, guys? <laughs> there's a hot tub. Bunch of men, bunch of grinding of meat, and uh, in this place, this cabin, a, Scott's
3: cabin, is like—I mean, it's a huge house. It's—it'd be a nice <clears> house anytime. The last thing you would ever think you were going to see,
0: yeah, this deep in the woods, right? Agree. I mean, it's got a concrete driveway leading oh, nice, up nice. Up in the Real, middle. Very nice house. Okay, so I hang out and up shows Rambo. And he's in a brand-new Denali and uh, just picked it up that morning. That's why he was late. He says, jump in. So I jump in, and we go raking through the woods, and there's branches crashing all over this brand-new rig. And we get up on Rambo Hill, which overlooks the 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 River Valley. The Love Shack. The Love Shack is up there. (laughs) (laughs) And it overlooks the River Valley. And and, uh, he says, you like machine guns? I said, sure. He said, let's shoot some machine guns. So we start shooting. We shoot 20 minutes, something like that. And he says, you like
1: pie? I said,
4: Rambo's
2: oh, got yeah, some I interesting questions, pie, man. Some uh, pretty basic <laughs> questions
1: here. I said, I love pie. I well, feel ca- like all his questions have a deeper <laughs> meaning behind them, though. I'm, I'm not sure how he I'd says, answer them.
0: <laughs> he says, what kind
3: of pie you like? Kyle, Kyle what kind of pie are you like? I like apple pie, man. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: I tell him that I'm pretty fond of either pecan or chocolate pie. And he says, which one you want? I got both. And he opens up the hatch on this Denali. And there's Rick's Bakery and Neil's Cafe pies stacked up in the back of this deal. All right. must be 30 of them. So we eat pie. And then we shoot some more machine guns. We go down, tug, and pull some sausage and uh it's getting kind of dusk and rambo takes me back up to to rambo hill there and it's just me and him and we're talking and looking at the sunset and then all of a sudden about 25 men show up and they circle me and curtis comes motoring in on a four-wheeler who's now one of my dearest buddies i didn't know him at the time he comes rolling in And Curtis gets off the four-wheeler, and he's got a wooden carved out of a single log grail. The squirrely grail. The squirrely grail, a big red fox squirrel taxidermied as a handle on the side of this wooden cup. Oh, cool. And he says, are you prepared to be initiated into Buck Snort? And I didn't know what to do, so I said, hell, whoop them out, boys. (laughs) 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 and come to find out they just all pour a drink inside this cup whatever they're drinking they just pour a little and so I take take a drink and then I had to do a speech and I become bona fide member of the club and so the next year I took Martinez but what this is is we have Squirrel Camp we have uh, we have Sausage Fest they do several cleanups of the mulberry. okay yeah there's a flotilla to where you raft or canoe down the river. And it's just a great group of guys that oh, would yeah. help anybody. They used to throw the um, chilleria in Fayetteville. Okay. Which for raised, Alzheimer's, raised Alzheimer's money yeah. for Alzheimer's. And they, I think they raised several million dollars. Oh, yeah. I, I actually got to MC it several years. This yeah, is me, the Bucksnort me, clan. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. Good group of these. Me and Bud bonded did that deal one year. Do you you know what a blow log is? I do not. Well, we got so much to teach you. I'm mean, here i 27, man. I got a lot to learn. So a blow log is, is you drive through the woods, and you look for any hollow log you can find. Okay. It could be hickory. It could be oak. Doesn't matter. Don't any hardwood. Any hardwood. You want a good hollow log, Bill. And then you set you off about... Six, a, eight foot long, maybe? Yeah. And a rick of, of wood, and you start a big fire... And you stand up this hollow log in the middle of it. Okay. And so you got this tower in fire. Yeah. And then you grab them green Coleman propane bottles. That have been pre-prepared. <laughs> and you JB weld that safety on there where there's that little pressure valve. Right. right. Pressure release valve. Yeah. JB weld that. JB so weld work. that. Let it set real good. And then you run up to this log and you drop the propane bottle in the log and you wait. Because there's no certain time that this is going to go. Depending if you on you wait a little distance away. It depends on not the, really that far.
3: Not as far as you would think.
0: I mean, because we got I lawn mean, chairs and stuff you could hide behind. Depending
3: so, on the British thermal units going chairs. through that fabric <laughs> lawn chairs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For
1: ballistic protection. <laughs> yeah. And then right. next thing you know, boom.
3: Oh man. Uh, damn. It's like a. It's a mortar. Oh, it's a mortar shooting up
0: i mean just of course, is it there's not? youtube videos all you gotta do oh, is yeah. type in arkansas and blow log yeah and you'll see these things that sounds like a good time oh it's a blast well just like any redneck event what happens is you think well hell we just threw one in there <laughs> <laughs> what would you think if we did uh, <laughs> two and then you could upgrade from there so Start as time adding some multipliers if you drive down shores lake road you will notice there's no hollow logs <laughs> <laughs> they're all gone and so i had to get upgrade to steel pipe steel pipe
1: with chains okay yeah that's probably a little bit more um permanent option it well is. you
3: don't have near the shrapnel yeah <laughs> and you could <can> put three <laughs> or four in there
1: so <laughs> the first
3: when i get initiated into the deal i go to the same do the same whole deal. As this is Joe. the next year. Yeah, the following it, year.
1: Is it as weird as it sounds at first? As it, wouldn't you're going near in? As, it
3: wouldn't near as weird because, I mean, I don't think. I mean, think that was the First ass. Hispanic. First, yeah. first, first, first Hispanic guy. There. That had it. to
1: make you a little nervous,
3: though, right? <laughs> I know. I mean, I had a sidearm, <laughs> so it didn't matter. So that's where I'm going with this story. So, Bud Bond, he said, you know, we're, we're talking about, hey, go up there and drop, drop one, you know, one of them green deals. And we had been talking about, hey, the next guy that walks up there, I'm gonna pull him old sidearm and boom, by the time he's on his way up there to scare the shit out of him. Yeah. And in like five minutes goes by, of course we've been drinking. My gun? So five minutes goes by and I've been telling him, Hey, the next guy that walks up there, I'm gonna shoot my gun, and scare the shit out of him. All right, all right and somebody hollers at him hey go throw one but so he's walking up there and he's like four foot from it i pull my old side boom and i scare the shit out of him. <laughs> he like drops on the ground rolls
0: around <laughs> god and i knew he was gonna do it and i still scared still scared the shit out of him man we've blown up a ford bronco we've blown up a giant teddy bear oh
4: well
1: on just cheap? Exclusive we sheep exclusive to propane tanks
0: we made you know when elon musk made his first rocket ship <laughs> Yep. We thought we could upgrade from there. We found a portion of a hollow log. It was an ex-blow log, and some chicken house irons, a few stop signs that we found. They were on these posts, and uh, we a little stuff sheep. We built a <laughs> rocket ship, <laughs> and we had the same guy who does all the drone footage for like CBS uh, Good Morning America. Came from Oklahoma City, maybe. Yeah, he does all of the. Like, anytime something big's going on and they need a drone, this dude does network TV drone work, and he brings his drone out to film a rocket ship. Legit. I mean, like, nice and high quality stuff. One that, the ones that they're trying to outlaw right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, these things, they're not good in the Ukraine. And so <laughs> we got the drone up, and he says, hey, Wilson, where do you think I should position the drone?" So it's in a safe spot. And I just pointed (laughs) right over there, not directly above. (laughs) And we shoot a 60 pound charge of Tannerite underneath our rocket. Oh, boy. And check this out. We think that our rocket is still flying because we never found a single piece. I think it went to orbit. I think it still is. And I don't know how much Elon spent on this deal. But we got by for under 200 bucks. Yeah. And there you go. So, so that's it, may, what, it may come down in your parents' backyard or <laughs> it might ultimately. be back there. Maybe you ever so. find an inflatable
1: sheep and some chicken house stuff. I'm be looking for it now. Yeah. yeah. Well, let us have it back. I'll, I'll give it back to you. I'll know who it belongs to at
3: least.
2: So. Anyways, we were talking well, well, we about did, where you grew we up. Did, so, we did, all, did we get to second grade yet? <laughs> no, we ain't. Okay. All Even all out to say, <laughs>
1: I think we're still in kindergarten. So so it's I was 97. I yeah. was two, about two or three now when you were there <laughs> when that happened. I was probably right down the road as a little toddler hearing all these explosions going on. That was us. Like, what the heck is going on? That was
0: us, man.
2: Inspiration. Yeah,
1: you're welcome to come. If you ever hear that,
2: just mosey on down the road. Walk softly. If, you, if
1: you can find your way so you grew up hanging out on the mulberry yes grew up down there on the mulberry like i said a lot of my my passion and and uh just upbringing was in outdoors that's kind of where i fell in love with the ozarks on the mulberry floating hunting shooting twitty birds with my bb gun old red rider just kind of tromping through the woods i've got an older brother he's two years older than me and i mean i i can't remember a, a weekend that we weren't out there um getting into something describe the mulberry river uh the place that we had or just the river itself both yeah in general i'll, I'll do the place that we had because it's it's something that if you think about and, and this is something that's important to me is i've always been fascinated by uh people's connection to place so if you think about what what's the difference between some old field and an old that same old field but it's sacred ground to to me right, right. Or, to, or to you yeah and and its stories and its memories and it's all that stuff that that was took place there on that plot of land and so that property for me <coughs> where i grew up is where i have a lot of memories and i actually got to go back there recently we sold the property years ago and i got to go back there recently but spending time there it's it's this it's a 120 acre property alongside the mulberry there's a 90 acre meadow and um it's just as a little kid growing up there i remember Coming out of the cabin, looking out there, and just being overwhelmed by the smallness that I felt looking at this huge meadow. It's beautiful country there. Yeah. It's absolutely gorgeous. And you've got this this blowing grass and the wind, the, you know, you can hear the river off to the side. You can just kind of picture it. That sun is coming down. You've got the god beams coming through the clouds. Mm. It's like, it god feels beams. it feels sacred, right? Yeah. And so I've always been fascinated with, like, what makes that place special to me that now... You may go there and you'd be like, Yeah, that's a nice field. It's cool. Yeah. It's pretty. And you're like, Whoa. I'm like, This is everything, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. this is what did and it for And then the me.
3: water, the water itself.
1: The water itself it's crystal. I mean, it's it's clear, but it's got a turquoise oh, tint tur- to it. That's what I was going to say. Almost
0: white in some spots.
1: Yeah, it's got that, it's got a cloudy turquoise color to it. And um, it's not a great, from what I've heard and what I've experienced, it's not the best well known fishing river, but floating wise, I mean, you can't beat it as far as, especially in a high water year, if you really want some rapids, the mulberries, oh, yeah. the has got you it. You can lose
3: your life there if you're not Absolutely.
0: They
1: claim that the
0: pine trees kind of affected the color? The you know, the water quality. Whenever the timber companies come in and started planting the pines along there, the acidity of, of the pine needles or whatever actually affected the water. But it's beautiful. Are you familiar with the hippie colony that's back in there? Was back in there? There's a lot of hippies down that way. I know that. Well, that's, that's so where Buxnort. Bucksnort yeah. Buck okay. is in the vicinity of a hippie colony that has hand-dug wells oh. that had... No, I didn't know that. Like bicycle parts to crank up the buckets out of the wells. There's a couple school buses there. And this hippie they, colony they started... lived
3: in these school buses. Yeah, yeah, from
0: the 70s up until maybe close to the 90s, I believe. And finally, the Forest Service come in and doze this place. Mm. But there's a there's a small cemetery. The Bucksnort property has a cabin that was built in correct me 1850s. Yeah, and but they
3: floated down the river like from ten miles up.
0: The, and I can't remember the amount of children that were inside this cabin, but maybe it was thirteen. It was a big number. And there's a there's a cemetery up on this this hill. It's That's not Campbell Cemetery. Well, let me tell you about the tombstones, and you might know it. Okay. So, there's one tombstone that talks about a guy that was killed by a knife wielding man. Yeah. That's the first time I've, heard, I've ever heard the
3: the the word orbs. Yeah. Jane Lynn was with us. Yeah. Well, he thought
1: he was seeing some old Orbeez down there, but well, and this is on this tombstone. I've never heard a tombstone. Well, Explain we go, the cause of death. So okay, go, so yeah, yeah, we, it
0: explains that he was stabbed by, by a knife coward, wielding, yeah. knife wielding, knife-wielding man. Knife-wielding yeah. man. Okay. This is and on the, a headstone. And then the <laughs> next tombstone over is the brother who was killed trying to kill the knife-wielding guy that killed his brother. The yellow-bellied knife stabber. Yeah, yeah. chicken. So the the story is, is when he got gutted, stabbed, he stayed alive for a while. They put on a pair of overalls that was too small to hold his guts in. in. (laughs) This is a story. Dude, I mean, this is on the tombstone,
1: Bill.
2: I was, was just and like you, a you literally very get tall this, tombstone
0: with you literally, it's it's a tall,
1: What size font are we talking yeah. about here? I don't know, 27. <laughs> <laughs> I would say cursive. bold or whatever you it. I would say cursive.
4: <laughs> cursive. <laughs> I don't know, dude, but
0: I'm not kidding you. This is a legit deal right there on the banks of the Mulberry you could see the river from the location of the cemetery. Can you see the river? I thought, I was thinking it was more up on the hill. I think you can because there's a big bend in the river. Maybe in the, maybe in the right fall. There. Yeah, in the fall of the year. But, yeah,
3: so... I remember I remember <coughs> taking Shane Lynn down there and it, in the middle of the night. It's like 10 p.m. and it's like Damn, well, we're gonna see some orbs. I didn't know. I didn't know what the hell. was the, I didn't know what an orb was at this point. And then later, in like, hell, that's what old was talking about big about. We saw orbs. some of that.
0: Yeah. So, my description of, of the mulberry is very similar to yours. Yeah,
1: no, man, that's where I grew up, and and I remember it is. It is. It's a unique place because it is so pretty. But there, there's some funky people that kind of come through there. There's there's the hippies, but then you got the guys in the side by sides. You got people who love to float, the hikers, people who like to hunt. So it's a, it's a good mixture of people down there, I'd say. Are you familiar with the, uh, what's Wes's race called?
0: Wes. Wes the gambler. Oh the Gambler 500. Oh yeah.
2: No. Oh man. Man, yeah, we need to get you involved when, in this Mulberry, When you really? said race, Teach I was me. thinking Well, it's race. white. <laughs> hey, he's white. Guy. 500 miles and no more than 500 bucks so for a vehicle.
0: Right up there at Ozark, okay? Is the meeting place for the Gambler 500. Yeah, when you cross case okay, you go through Cass, you cross the Mulberry, what's yeah. the place right there? Turner Bend. Turner Bend.
1: Yeah. yeah. So they, they gather at Turner who, Bend. Who we've had on the podcast. Brad, did. Brad, I, Brad Wimberly. It was Brad's great great show. guy, yeah, great
0: show. He's a good dude so they gather there and the goal is is you have a 500 hundred dollar car and you can do you have to purchase it for no more than 500. now you could do whatever you want to the rig but they put check stations all around the dirt roads through the forest and each check station is actually a stop where you get out and you pick up trash and part of this race is cleaning up the woods the other part is having a real good time, drinking some beer and yeah. working on oh, the car. Is that a drinking deal? I, was, I wasn't aware of that. I, I think it is. <laughs> so <laughs> they run that through the Mulberry. And one of our previous guests, he races a Pontiac Fieros on this deal. Okay. And uh, he also has a Cadillac limousine with like some 40-inch mud tires on it. That's a super good... Gambler I think, it's, I think it's
3: like
0: a F4, F, uh, Ford F F two fifty frame with maybe a Cadillac that. on top of it. Mm. You don't know this either? No, man. Man, you hanging out with the wrong people, dude. I'm learning a lot right now. <laughs> We're gonna have to We're gonna, <laughs> But it all starts at Turner Bend and the goal is to clean up the woods and you know, get those mattresses
1: out of there. Well and, and they do it they do a really good job of that down there. I've friends even, of the river or something. Yeah. Well it's there's the You've got the canoe club that meets down there. So then you've got friends of the mulberry river and then um brad at turner bend they always host an event where they do a couple cleanups a year and brad's been to bucks and, Orton, bucks and he's a, a sausage board. yeah okay <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the, even even as you have those different groups of people, the diversity that you have down there, everyone's it's like everyone kind of unites around. It's real Arkansas Mulberry. It, right. And, and they kind of come together throughout their differences. You know, they put those aside and they say, no, we want to protect this place. Yeah. Which is, again, kind of back to what I was saying, like fa- uh, that connection to place. Mm-hmm. Right. It's so important. Like think about <clears throat> you're an Arkansas guy, right? I love it. Born and raised. No, nope. no, no, Not Joe will tell you. I'm not gonna say a word. I ain't gonna say nothing. Well, I was gonna say, long time, resident. long time, and, and you you build this connection over time, and it, and I'll be partial to somebody even if I don't know them just because they're from here. Are you in? Again, somebody who's from Minnesota, right? Just because I don't know them and I have no connection to them, but something about like where you're from and the places that you know and that you have in common, even us, like we have different stories about the right. mulberry but it's how you use it we connect through it right me and Joe and Bill and Aaron we've
0: talked numerous times and my theory is is anybody can sleep at a place they can work at a place hell you can say that you live at a place you can even be born in a place you can be born in a place yeah but you truly aren't living there until you add value Mm. and that value is like that is say it's taking care of that river say it's uh being a a mentor in your community it's until you actually give to the place that you're there like whenever you're gone they remember you Mm -hmm. exactly it's just a place that you live
1: yeah
3: i mean i'm i'm the only one in my family born in arkansas of course hispanic descent my my mom dad older brother and two sisters were born in south texas and My dad was a farmer moved to oklahoma got a couple of brother a brother two brothers and a sister born in oklahoma and then they moved to arkansas about a year about a year before i was born i was born in arkansas south arkansas severe county and then we moved to northwest arkansas in 1970 when i was a year old okay so northwest arkansas is my home right i mean i i wasn't born in northwest arkansas but i was born in arkansas and i take a lot of pride in that yeah and, you know, there's not a lot of... When we moved here in 1970, there were, there wasn't a lot of Hispanics.
0: They thought he was Cherokee. They thought I was Indian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was making fry bread and not tortillas. Yeah. I don't even know what the <laughs> hell I mean. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and, and, you know, Joe, Joe was born in the great state of California. Oh, man. And that's not... West Coast not, boy, not, not to hold yeah. that against I you. I my ass off. <laughs> well, but, I'm but, still surfing, right? But now. Cali Joe, how long? How long you, you moved here? In what year? Ninety six. But I'm, I, I'm, I, I want to tell you, yeah, I was. I want to tell you, Joe's done a lot, lot, lot for this state. Mm-hmm. In this aspect and many other aspects
0: that people don't even know, it's uh, it's important. No matter where you're, wherever you're from, you know. When I go to Alaska every year fishing, there's not a lot of native Alaskans along the coast. It's too expensive, Mm. right? Okay. And so it's people that have retired, moved there. Maybe they worked in the oil fields and they moved there. But it doesn't take them very long to say they're Alaskan. Right. And that doesn't mean they're Inuit, right? Right. They're but not natives. They're not natives, natives. Yeah, they've lived they, there their whole life. They become one with the land, and they appreciate just like you're talking about the beauty. The land has worth to them. It's not something that you want to ruin. You know, you want to hold on to it. You want to give it to the people after you. Yeah, yeah right. absolutely. And so it becomes one of those deals you take pride in and you protect.
3: Absolutely, such as the mulberry. Yeah, well, just like I mean, it takes it takes somebody to. Leave their native home, like Joe leaving Alaska or, or, or uh, California, he's lived here longer than you lived in California, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so right, I mean, people can say, Where are you from? Well, I was born there, yeah, but I grew up here, right?
1: You have more of a connection to here you than bet. there, I would absolutely I would when down.
3: you've lived in some place <clears throat> longer
1: then you have it's
0: just it's it's the added value yeah
1: you You know and something you were saying it made me think of it um we we just had tim ernst on the ozark podcast and for anyone who grew up in arkansas that's kind of like for me growing up that was a household name like you know who tim ernst is and he said something tell our listeners about that tim ernst yeah so tim ernst um is he's a photographer he's a conservationist he's a hiker He's, he's been instrumental in, um, the development of the Ozark Highlands trail, um, which is a trail that stretches the, the Ozark national forest and so many thousands of people hike on it every single year. But he was instrumental in, in developing that him and, and a group of conservationist hikers in, in the area of the Ozarks. Um, he was a big part of that, but he's also, he's, he's well known for his photography and, um. If you've seen pictures of the Buffalo River, Hawksville you've Craig, seen I heard the parts. story. I heard the story yeah. today about him
3: lighting up the whole uh, the bluff. Yeah, the bluff right there, and, um, and he didn't know how it was going to work, but yeah. he, he ended up backlighting it with. And there were some round bales, mm-hmm. the hay bales. That and was, then, and then the tree line was just. I mean. I could I could see that in my mind. And okay, it's, we've a pr- all seen it. it's
1: a process, too. Like, as I was talking to him and hearing him say that, I'm like, it's not just a picture, right? You think you take a picture and it's just you click the button. It's like you click the button. There's so much time and exposure. And it's yes. like a 10-minute m- frame. And he's doing stuff while the picture. 20-minute deal process. While it's being taken. Yeah, it, it was people, mind-blowing
3: to me. And it, it's something that you look at that took, I mean, 20 minutes to do. But then all the... Hour and a half that took that took to set up the lighting, it and, it up, yada, and, yada, yada. and then add in
1: years of expertise to exactly. know how to do all that exactly. Right?
3: But he's I, just, I listened to that podcast
1: today. He he's just been instrumental in um, what he does really well. And back to your point of protecting what we appreciate, he's been really instrumental in highlighting places that are beautiful, so that people will appreciate them too and get on the side of them of appreciating them but not just appreciating them caring enough about them to protect them exactly what we have and he said it in our podcast not just what we have but what we might not have in the future if we don't protect it exactly just like the big
0: fight to get rid of the hog farm right on the buffalo and with all the land in in the state of arkansas why would you want to risk one of i mean the first national river that's right right. Um, something that Teddy Roosevelt came up with, right? Right. And I think it was
2: Orville Faubus that took care of that one.
0: But, but you, but you at
3: the he same time didn't come time, up with it. But, <laughs> but you at the same time, it's I mean, there's, best thing you ever did. there's pros and cons to everything, and there's, I mean, we have no idea how many hogs were raised on the banks. Oh yeah, Joe. But, but this I mean, was but, like but two million, million hogs. And I understand. I <laughs> understand what you're saying, but that's, and it's not there, right? Exactly. Thank
0: you. Yeah. Yeah, it it didn't happen because one of the things that we don't take into our our day-to-day ideas the value that our natural resources gives to a state and the value comes off of the millions and millions of tax dollars for tourists, for fishing license, for hunting license, mm-hmm. for the amount of money that there is no turner bend without canoes and kayaks. Right, right. It just it just right. doesn't happen and on your podcast that you had with him you know it was a risky deal absolutely and he's kept that afloat for a long l- time and and the main reason is is we have something special i mean anybody can go canoe anywhere but when you go and roll down a river you want it to be special and arkansas holds it, it's not the Elk river Right, it's not. It's not where you're going to
1: float. And Elk River's beautiful, right? absolutely. But, but you know what you're getting when you go to the Elk River. Yeah, right. it's party town. It's yeah, a party but, deal. And I don't
3: even think they. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they know what they got. But you don't. Know, you. That's not a place where you want to take your wife and kids. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. It's unless the honky tonk of unless, rivers.
0: <laughs> unless your ten year old boy wants to see a nice of <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's the honky tonk. But the Mulberry, the Buffalo. Uh, parts of Crooked Creek, for that matter. I mean, the Illinois River is, is got some beautiful stuff. Yeah, and yeah, and that's getting rough. It's it's getting to be just as bad as Elk River, and through population, right. Yeah. So that's where conservation comes in. That we have to conserve, even though our population is growing, we still have the same amount of resource. Yeah, and and how do we protect it? And that's where a podcast like yours, constantly showing the people who. Their lives depend on it, whether you're a guide, uh, outfitter, whatever it is.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: That value, and, and man, I'm a strong supporter in that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we do two things. We do we talk about exactly what you just said, conservation, um, but also we tried we tried to do a good job of talking to guides, people who hunt, people who are really familiar with like getting outside and know how to hunt and fish well. So it's conservation, but it's also education and not to the extent that like we are trying to educate people. We are just talking to people because we're getting educated alongside everyone. Like as you're listening to our podcast and hearing what these experts in their field are talking about, we are learning right alongside, which is why we're even asking the questions. Value for value. Exactly. Yeah. Back to what you were saying off off mic. And so it's, it's both of those things. And they go hand in hand. In my opinion, they go hand in hand because... If you learn how to hunt and fish, and you're so proficient at it, but you don't understand the conservation side of things, you could blow out a hole, with a smallmouth hole, in a weekend. Man, we were talking before you showed up about
0: listening to your smallmouth show, mm-hmm. and hearing the growth pattern of an Ozark smallmouth, mm-hmm. and you know, hearing that you know there was a six or eight inch fish that was full of eggs that that thing was already mature, but it had taken so long to get to that point. Yeah, that was Tad, tad Four's yeah. episode. Yeah. yeah, great deal. You know, as a kid, when we're being little micro frontiersmen, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right? It's a good way to describe it. <laughs> we're, we're going out there and we're, we're like Clark, man. We're, we're traveling around uncharted territory. We're building new roads. We're, we're mapping out stuff. And the same thing as a kid, it, it's probably for me, short of Jacques Cousteau and Nova and a few documentaries that we had, it what, we couldn't get educated on stuff unless we seen it. Mm-hmm. We had to physically go out and see a possum to know a possum. Right there, those were our learning of our youth. And like I say, man, we were a micro frontiersmen you're a miniature Davy Crockett or Daniel Boone, you know, and, and you're going out there and, and testing the waters and checking your boundaries and seeing what's going to hurt you and where you can go without catching poison ivy and, and what snakes you can pick up, uh, what snakes you can't. Yeah. And it scares the hell out of your mom. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. She's terrified the whole time. (laughs) It scares them. But that's when we learn the value of the outdoors is at a very young age. Right. Um, you can fall into it in your 20s and your 30s, but you're always behind the eight ball. And so if a parent or a guardian or a grandma or a grandpa or a friend isn't taking the kids out there, they're losing a big part of this huge special time that they're going right. to have for the remainder of their life. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, when, when you're a kid, I think it
3: forms memories. Oh yeah. You know when you're when you're a kid, I mean, it's like you down on the river. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you take yourself back there. You all can the time, remember all the time, every man. hole that you have ever caught yeah, a fish, in,
0: can't you?
1: It's a it's a movie that plays in my head all, all the, the time. time. And bet.
0: every time you go back to that stretch of river, you could remember that fish you caught behind that rock. Absolutely. Right. It's a weird deal. Yeah. It is you know, weird. I, I seen a thing one time that they'd went to New York City, super urban deal and they took these small kids maybe eight nine years old and they set out a booklet and it had prints paw prints and they described to them this is a raccoon this is a deer this is a goose whatever and then a week later they come back and these are kids who had never seen these animals and they set those prints down with no names and the overwhelming majority could name what all of those prints were Really, because it's in our DNA it was important for survival of man that we recognized prints and that way we could track and find our groceries and so without even trying like you could put a foreign language down to these same kids and come back 10 days later and say what do these words mean and they, they'd forget Yeah. but the simple thing of we're supposed to know this. Hmm. Okay. This is something that we're supposed to know. And it's unfortunate. If you don't. Right. Because you're less. Of a human. And I, and that is not negative. Damn video games. It's <laughs> not negative. It's just saying that as a human. These skills that you're learning. This fishing. This hunting. This tracking. That we're getting traversing. Too, too far away from. Yeah. So you're missing out on something that's been in your DNA no matter what color, what religion, whatever. You're still human. Right. And you want to talk about ultimate equality, it's the outdoors. You bet. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. The the outdoors doesn't care if you got a million bucks in yes, your bank account. You're right. Well, I'm still going to smoke you on that fish You're right. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're out in the woods and you got no food, you're still going to starve just like anybody else. Exactly. A- unless you know what you're doing. And even more so if you don't know what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah, it's the yeah. yeah. ultimate
0: saying. equalizer. It definitely is. And, you know, it's, it's super important for you and your partner and your podcast and the guests that you put on to teach. And, and that's what I want out of a podcast bill when i listen to a podcast i want to learn something i you know there's sometimes i want to laugh
1: yeah Oh, there's different categories for
0: sure yeah and a combination of laughing learning uh maybe a spiritual side suffering and i bet you the majority of the guys that you have on the show there's struggle there's hardship there's all of that in their success yeah Absolutely. Right. Can you yeah. name something like that from one of your guests?
1: Yeah. Well, if I think about um, one of my favorite episodes that we did um, and, and someone who's become, I, I don't know if I can say f- friend that, you know, we don't talk all the time, but someone who I can reach out to and, and we talk and, you know, he can be somewhat of a mentor to me um, is Dwayne, Dwayne Hayda. He, uh, he's an entrepreneur. He's a legendary fishing guide um, in the Ozarks. And um, he owns Rivertown Gallery in um, Mountain Home, Gasville area over there. And he's an artist, but he's also a fly fishing guide. And he talks about growing up and he grew up in a time in the Ozarks in a place where like their water source was like spring fed. Right. And he talks about, you know, just growing up in the Ozarks in not as super civilized place. Like you kind of grow up with, just a, a very humble upbringing um and that that humbles you just to some extent and you just have to learn and you have to make do with what you have and he talks about his first fly rod that he ever got when he was a kid and it was a 20 dollar fly rod from walmart at the time back you know when walmart was just a bear a small little store unless you're in flip you
0: yeah yeah uh, <laughs> i mean that's the trout capital oh, yeah. and they're walmart is set up for the fishermen more than it is for anything. Oh, you're right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You're right about that. Uh, but he just talks about humble beginnings like that and kind of the struggle of growing up as just a, a normal kid in the back country of the Ozarks and, and how that turned into a passion and a love. And he became an observer of wild places and wild things. And that turned into his passion for art and the way that he pursues fly fishing and, and everything else that he does. Um, and so, that's kind of an example of someone who kind of grew up with, like, some hardship that you, tur- turned yeah, into something. You said so, something that sparked my,
0: my curiosity when you said the backcountry of Arkansas. Mm. And I think of the backcountry in a lot of places. Um, I'm curious, Joe, if you ever think of the terminology backcountry in Arkansas. I mean, when I, when I, when
3: I think of backcountry, I mean, of course, I was born in western Benton County. And I mean
0: that is to me backcountry. But do you ever have you ever used that term? I, I've never used that term. I, I haven't either. But I know, like when I think backcountry, I'm but, thinking way back in the woods of Colorado, yeah, or oh, something out west. Yeah, and to think that we have that here, yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I've never heard that term. But <coughs> I mean, yeah. but I can
3: think of. I mean, yeah, I'm, 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 I I r- relate to what he's talking about. You know, when when he's talking about backcountry whenever i was a kid you know western benton county that mean the eastern part of the county obviously developed a lot more and it still is today than than the western part of it you know and when i was a kid if it was raining or if it was snowing we were outside mm. and you, what you said earlier about tweety birds yeah <laughs> You know, we would shoot Tweety birds with the old Red Rider, but by God, we cooked them and ate them, <laughs> yeah. and it didn't make shit what it was. Yeah, you no, know, if it's it like was one alone. little bite of oh, yeah wing, yeah. But yeah. Uh, you know, and that, and that reminds me of one of our, you know, uh, one of our uh, people that we had on our on our podcast earlier, Matt Tate. Yeah, you know, talking about living off the land and learning how to. Build a Fire. Mm-hmm. Matt Tate's a
0: survivalist oh, okay. instructor. Yeah,
3: Great, great show. If, if you're not listening to that, he's got a show on Netflix. He'd be Netflix. a good guest yeah. for you. Yeah. Okay. Is he around here? Yeah, War yeah. Eagle. Okay. Great guy. I mean, I learned a lot from him, and we related so much on, you know, just growing up in Northwest Arkansas, but, you know, building a fire. I mean, we would go to the woods, and we would have an old book of matches, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking – and and he he said in our podcast, I said, "What was your best means of making a fire?" And he said, Well, big lighter." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he can teach you to make fire out of in wet several, di- bush, several different ways. Yeah. But he said nothing beats an old big lighter. You know, hey, we had some old <laughs> stick matches. You know. Yeah. We would, but we if it was if it was snowing, we were outside. Me yeah. and my brother Charlie, we'd go outside. We would build a fire, build a fort, and you know, we would build some kind of shelter. A fort, man. And we were there all day that long. That was my whole childhood And we would, forts. we would kill some tweety birds. We're not going to say what kind of birds they were. None of them sang. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but After we would literally me. eat these birds. Would you really? I don't
1: think we ever ate them.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we, we probably it. should have. Of course, my deal was if I'm going to kill it, I'm going to eat it. Yeah,
1: that's a good policy. Right. So, that's the I right mean, policy.
3: So, I mean, I, I can relate to what you're talking about. It, but i but like Joe said, I've I've never heard the
0: that term. I bet you that a lot of people who travel into the state and take those Ozark trail or hit the buffalo for the first time, it's the back country to them. Mm-hmm. It probably is. And I I think and it of, didn't seem like a test because we can get in the truck and go yeah, two hours as and, we know it. And just like no matter where we travel, you know what we think is way out in the middle of nowhere is that west for us it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's back country to yeah. us
1: and to them it's just that damn dirt road that yeah. goes down there over that hill over there yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize just how how much of that quote unquote back country we have because you don't until you get out there like this last spring I went turkey hunting and I, I went out there on a Wednesday uh, with my dad he stayed for one night and then he left me and I was out there alone for three or four days just looking for turkeys. How about that hoodal? Oh man. He's scary to death. <laughs> All kinds of noises, man. You wake up in the middle of the night like, what was that? <laughs> so where would you where were you hunting at? Well, it was down that way, down by Cass. Right. I won't say I remember,
3: exactly. I, remember I went deer hunting with Joe Wilson when I already told that one.
1: <laughs> it, it was down that way. But it's such <laughs> a great story. Um, but yeah, i I was out there for three three days by myself, three nights by myself or something like that. And then my father-in-law, he drove up from Texas um, to come meet me out there on, like, the Sunday or something like that. And um, I wanted to show him the Ozarks. And um, you don't realize how wild it is out there until you get up on a mountaintop and you look out. And then, I'm, you know, I'm using Onyx. So I'm a modern davy crockett like you said yeah. i've I've got the the tools and technology that I can use at my disposal, but you don't have a sack of Joe Weir or nothing <laughs> no I don't. I don't have, have the sack of one the map, the paper map to pull out, but you don't realize how wild it is until you get up there on a mountain top, a lookout, and everything you see is public land, it's wild. you can go if you see that mountain top over there and there's a valley there, you can walk to it straight to it, but it's going to take you a day and a half right. is
0: is it how old were you before you realized that the Ozarks was the plateau?
1: Oh, that's a good question.
0: Because I don't know. Because I was, I had lived in the Ozarks quite a while
1: before I realized that it's flat. Yeah, you mean you mean like the formation of the Ozarks, or what yeah, do you mean? like we're on this great
0: big plateau of level land that's filled with hollers, mm-hmm. exactly.
3: But so I wouldn't call that level land. Oh, well, if you get on, I mean, I mean if I, you're standing I, at a it, high point and you look as out. A, as a whole it is, but by God, you try to walk across that. Sandwich. Oh, it it well, no, so it's, well not, well. it's yeah. not
0: level by any means, but the tops are about the same. Yeah. Right. And so elevation-wise, y- you really see it in the airplane.
3: Yeah, but right? And that's what I love about our country, just as a whole, as, as the United States. And I've been, I mean, with Moab, Utah last year. Just to go to a different place where you see you appreciate stuff more different you know formations you see huge cliffs and you know the
0: Colorado rivers right there i mean it's it's amazing, yeah, it's beautiful i think yeah. I think a lot of people get that same amazement, and we're spoiled by it and I was Absolutely. one of them and I was one of those guys that hey, let's go to Vegas or
3: let's go to Cancun. And that's cool. Yeah, but guys, we got a lot of stuff right here in Arkansas. I would say that it is, is amazing. way cooler than Vegas, personally. I, I mean, so. I'm out
0: there with you. Well, we you I, can't. There's do you, some stuff you can't do in so <laughs> Arkansas that you can do in Vegas. You <laughs> <laughs> the the question about the plateau? Yeah, is because when you know we're I guess a flyover state, and so as people are flying over, they look down and it just looks like a bunch of trees down there. Right.
3: I wouldn't say Arkansas is a flyover
0: state. Depends on who you ask. There's a lot of people that fly here every that week. There is, but to one place. But to right, the rest yeah. of them, they right, don't. Right, yeah. And as you fly Northwest over, started, so I guess, yeah. you're looking down, and it it looks like a whole bunch of fields of trees. But as us being in the woods... We know you're going to get plumb out of breath, man. Mm. Going from here to what you can see over here. Yeah, because of the hollers. And the whole place was built between erosion, right? Mm -hmm. And so it took wind and fire and and water to carve out this giant plateau and make the rough, rugged terrain that the Indians didn't stick around because it's somewhat
2: unsurvivable. Right. It's almost uninhabitable in, in certain places. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you've got the lift straight up of the Ozark Mountains. Yeah. It's, it's, the old story was the Gulf of Mexico was where Lenoria was and Lenoria sank and it pushed up the Ozarks but then you've got the Washita's and they're at a 45 degree angle of a push or they're pushed from west to east. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't really get this erosion from the creating of the valleys and the dells and the hollers of the ozarks i usually think of the ozark plateau as when you get up to this part up in northwest arkansas and going into missouri and it's just flat as it can be and there's there's still some hills and everything but how is it that the boston mountains are part of that plateau well, i know i looked at the at the map it's part of it but mm-hmm. that was initially mount, mountains that were pushed up from under the earth oh yeah i so, can take you a place yeah, in maysville
1: so I, arkansas yeah. that's Tim and Tammy's place. You know who talks about this is um, Brooks Blevins, who is a historian at the uh, Missouri State University. I think Clay's actually had him on Bear Grease before. Um, but he has a series of books about the Ozarks. And the very first one, I've started it. I'm, I'm not all the way through it, but I've started it. And he talks about, really, it would be more appropriate to call the Ozarks, because we say the Ozark Mountains, like you just said, though. Yeah. It would be more appropriate to call it the ozark valleys because you have that plateau erosion whereas the washita's they were actually formed from plate shifting right. uplift pushing mm-hmm. rocks together um, and to your question though or your point about the boston mountains versus over here i don't know if it's just that there's that much more water or creeks that cut out over time you have the buffalo over there Crooked creek stuff like that i'm not sure exactly why but he talks about
2: some of that stuff in his book, and it's a, it's a great book so far. Um, What's it called? Well, I get a real kick out of the, the – I call it the Ozark Divide, mm-hmm. where if you're over at Ponca and that oh, yeah. misty mountain that's up at the top of the hill between Kingston and Ponca, and everything on the, the east side flows into the Buffalo and goes straight down to the White River, the Mississippi River, but everything on the west side of it goes to the Kings mm. and heads north. You yeah. Know, just like – so it, it's, it's like the – the Ozark Divide. Right yeah, here. it is. It's well, just cruel. like
3: so, my my, in, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law got a place on Spavinaw Creek, and you, Joe Wilson's seen this outlook. You know, with Spavinaw, you wouldn't think it's that old or that big of a creek. We call it a creek, but I mean that out that overlook from their house down to the it creek. have water running on the side. Oh, it's like two hundred feet elevation. Oh wow! That you're looking, that you can see a mile of that creek, hmm. and then that's
1: like yeah. gravit, right? Spavinaw. Yeah. Have well, you ever but, fished well? Spavanagh? It's it just decides. I haven't, but my co-host Kyle Plunkett, he just, was actually out of Oklahoma. He's a fly fishing guide out there. Yeah. Oh, at Spavinaw uh,
3: Spring the Valley, yeah, Spring Valley, Spring yeah. Valley, yeah, yeah. So, so my, my my brother-in-law Tim Eaton actually leased some land to them. Oh, okay. He owns like a mile of Spavinaw Creek. Gotcha. gotcha, and he's got a spot that's it's a great overlook. And matter of fact, I've got a a, a buddy of mine that's an art local artist that's doing a deal that's a it's a four season picture of this thing in summer, fall, spring, and winter from the same overlook. Mm. And you're looking you're looking at a half a mile of the Spavanaugh Creek, and it's like a 200 foot elevation. That's pretty crazy right. for yeah.
1: gravity. I wouldn't even think of well, that. Well, it's not gravity. It's, it's
3: it's Maysville. Oh, it's area. okay. Yeah. It's Ten pretty. Miles. It's
1: it's literally half a mile from Oklahoma. Okay. But even that, I, I just wouldn't think, I don't think that way. You wouldn't I think that. I don't think of elevation yeah. difference like that.
3: And you wouldn't think that until you look at this place. Even driving up to it, you wouldn't think there's that much of an elevation change.
1: Yeah. Man.
0: Until you overlook that place. What was your mom cooking for dinner? tonight or when you were a kid were you eating game meat were you eating the fish out of the creek
1: my mom has never been one for game meat she just hasn't and 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 my dad wasn't the biggest hunter or fisherman either um his this started with you then well his my my dad's so my grandpa big fisherman his dad big fisherman as well um i'm a i'm a sixth generation ozarkin um sixth generation arkansan as well um but my family mostly grew up in like the the dover area atkins dover russellville and they that side of the family which is my dad's side they were more wild game you know rabbit and dumplings squirrel and dumplings stuff like that we have a recipe in my in my family that has survived six generations of of rabbit and dumplings so and it's so good (laughs) do you do you like wild game i do and that came from, my dad always appreciated the outdoors floating. He was a big, he was in Arkansas Canoe Club. He he taught um, paddling at the, at the week that they do the canoe school down there. But that was always his thing. He just never really got into hunting and fishing. Maybe just because nobody did it for him or he didn't have, have, I don't know. He says he didn't have the patience to like fish and untangle the knots that you kind of have to do. So you depended on who to really take you to the next level. So it wasn't really until I grew up outside and, and forming those those memories that that core. But it it really wasn't until I got to probably high school and then into college where I was around buddies and their dads who deer hunted. Duck and I think I heard. Um, I, I'm, I'm not a huge duck oh, hunter. It okay.
3: was the other guy, Yeah.
1: Um, and yeah, he loves yeah. duck hunting. Um, but just up this way, there's not a whole lot of great duck right. hunting up, up here in Northwest Arkansas, but, um, it, it wasn't until about like really later for me, high school and college to where it was just me being curious about it and wanting to explore going out with friends, their dads, stuff like that. But still you kind of do have to have someone show you that, or, or at least be there to kind of guide you through here's how you deer hunt. How old so was, were you so when you more shot of your,
3: your first deer? So it was more of your college buddies, dads. that Exactly. Co- yeah,
1: and just us, like, you know, having, skipping class one day in college to go be out of the deer camp.
3: Which I seen a deal, I was watching the show last night, and they were talking about biggest influences. And it was, I would have thought high school. Of course, I didn't go to college. I would have thought high school influences as far as what, changes things in your life but there was a guy on there. guy on there that said college my college buddies and it was
0: about hunting Mm -hmm. well it's the first time you're independent well you're independent you're 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 you're, you're of a drinking age yeah one that at 16. yeah yeah
3: yeah in arkansas you bet but seriously (laughs) in mexico you're, you're independent like you say and you can make your own decisions and this guy and it was about hunting and fishing and that's when he got into hunting and fishing because his parents weren't into it yeah but his college buddy's parents were Mm -hmm. and he had the you know that they owned land and yada 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 and it was northwest arkansas and that's and that never really made much sense to me because i was there my whole life yeah and i didn't go to college yeah but yeah it's it saying. is kind
1: of weird. I mean, it's now that I think about it, like, now I got really into, like, fly fishing. That kind of, like, became, like, my sole focus in college where I was, like, if I had time, I was headed out. I was going after smallmouth, panfish, long ear, trout, driving over to cotter, just trying to get outside and do that stuff. Um, and that really, like, that was a, a big thing for me, and I was doing that with, actually, Kyle, my, my co host and that was just us, like that didn't come his nobody in his family did it, nobody in my family did it. We just kinda had this shared connection of like, this seems really cool. And we did it one time together. We got rods and we were like, Oh wow, like this is amazing. Like we it really love shit. doing this. So here
2: I am the only guy that doesn't hunt all the time anymore. But it was tradition in my family that when you turned six years old you went on your first duck hunt. Now, I do remember telling them I knew which one was the duck because they'd let it land for you your first hunt, but I blew the hell out of a decoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I no, was no, just no, sure no. I had the right one. But, <laughs> yeah, he did. But then, you know, and and one of the coolest things you talk about fly fishing was uh, we were down in the south in the slow water in the Bowderview and the area, well, Indian Bay and Maddox Bay off the White River, which was just beautiful. Country, and if the water was just right, you could catch fish all day long. And my, one of my favorite things to ever do was have my father at the front of the John boat fly fishing, mm-hmm. looking beautiful. Me sculling it around the sculling. Side. That's a that's a term I learned from somebody we had on that I'd never heard before. What yeah. is that? That means you got the motors up and you got the paddle, and you're just sculling that puppy along so they can like poem. they can. It's like poetry mm-hmm. when they're up there on the front and and y'all and, are in sync and and I'm not fly fishing I'm just putting him where he wants to be in my, I just really loved it he'd have a popping bug with a trailing gnat and sometimes he'd catch too yeah you know And that just uh, that awesome. just I put a picture in my mind I had yeah, to man. go to uh, can't that. I had to be on a, a have a lie detector test once at the old post office in Fayetteville <laughs> because someone had stolen the cocaine-snorting boss's money. Uh-oh. And uh, they how our going. They're going gonna, to gonna lie detector test everybody. And I'd once heard if you, if you put your place in that calm, yourself a soothing place replace and wiggle your toes all so the entire time. So I, I put myself sculling my dad with I think that, that was fly fishing and, and moving those toes. and I was the only guy that had to take that lie detector test only once <laughs> that, that was like a gary p now Nunes. i wasn't lying
3: either he that was like a gary p nun you got to put yourself back in that place that's right remember that know?
1: absolutely that
3: definitely so anyway it's
2: just, just nothing like it when you when so, you get to go duck hunting at six and you get to scull your dad around in your teens and, oh yeah uh-huh. all right this episode is brought to you by ace epoxy polish joe martinez what
3: do you know about ace man these guys do everything related with concrete we got uh Shane Cochran and uh, Derek Talley, These boys have been doing this for a long time. They know. I mean, they do uh, stain. stain, stain, grind, concrete, cleaning, uh, sealing, everything that you can possibly do with concrete. These boys can do. Except pour. They don't pour. It.
2: Yeah, they don't pour it, but they'll stamp it. They'll grind it for you. They'll put epoxy down if you want that garage looking pristine. Everybody wants one. Everybody. Yeah. It, they, they do commercial you? work. Yeah. Everything. So, uh, yeah,
3: give them guys a shout. Uh, Shane Cochran, you can reach him at 479-721-6574. Or check or, out their website at com. And Derek Talley, uh, 479-657-0115. Yeah. So, Joe had a question. How old were you when you killed the first deer?
1: Is that I, right? Yeah, I think I was 18. Okay. I, it wasn't early. It were, and then you talked to my buddy Kyle, who, who's my co-host. Um, like I said, I think his was like seven you know what i mean so he had that influence early on and he also had a place after we sold the mulberry so back to born and raised fort smith grew up moved to mckinney texas when i was nine lived there for a year and a half actually moved back and then grew up here in fayetteville um or springdale actually um but we we sold the mulberry when we moved to texas because we didn't know that we'd be back we just thought we were moving to texas to to live there
3: obviously you guys regretted that
1: yeah, it, at at one point, it was just clear that, like, Arkansas is home, and it just had that tug, that pull. Um, and so we came back home, and my dad got a job back here, but we sold the mulberry, so I didn't have a place to go anymore. And as I got older, I kind of depended on um, my friends to have those places. Kyle had a deer cabin. My buddy, his name is actually Hunter. His family had a deer cabin, um, and so I was seeking those places and i was friends with them but it just happened to be that that's what they did and networking. so networking, networking yeah and it wasn't like to to get access to hunting land but they were friends but so at we, the, the time remember, it was just like it worked this, out this works out perfect and and i'm i'm getting these places to to go again um and so it wasn't until later for me whereas like i feel like most people who love hunting i i feel like Inferior sometimes because I'm like I I'm kind of a late late no. hunter you know what I mean At it doesn't matter
4: it really doesn't matter it's
0: uh those people will give you access
3: to and, a, and the more and the more friends you make even in a podcast setting mm, yeah you will get people that will say they got a great place to hunt they want
0: nothing more than. And take you home from so their place so yeah that, that's a good point i mean yeah. seriously that for someone to invite yep. you onto their land and give it's, you that it's, just access, that it's just that awesome feeling mm-hmm. not only is it a a sacred gift that they gave you because you're going to gain stories and memories and friendships and maybe some groceries mm-hmm. yeah and they're going to want you to kill the biggest Thing that they have, yeah. It's, it's seriously, it's, it's cool shit. So it's you a, won't forget it.
3: It's a exactly. They cool want you to have that story. If they, I mean, if you're they're to right. invite you to come on their land, they're going they're going to want you to kill what they've what they've got. Yeah. I mean, it's and it's cool shit. I've, been, I've, I've 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 actually experienced that several times, and it is really fulfilling to go somewhere where you're invited. And that's what they want you to do. Right. Or they wouldn't invite you. Yeah, they, that's true. That's a good yeah. point.
0: And as you get older, it becomes a lot more valuable. Old timers, me and Joe are getting into that status. Old timers. Not y'all. <laughs> yeah. Boy, we <laughs> no, we're right there. <laughs> we're getting into that status to where we just assume sit at camp and watch you go out and do it. And then... If you're unsuccessful, we're going to tell you how you screwed up. Mm-hmm. If you're yeah. successful, we're going to tell you how we've seen one bigger.
3: And it's really <laughs> and cool. It.
0: And it's really cool to take your
3: son to kill his first deer. It's awesome
0: to take your grandson
4: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. to kill his first deer. So the, the deer camp or the duck camp, those places, they may be a shack, man. And and in Arkansas, you've got all calibers, from a trailer house to... Uh, Somebody cooking breakfast over there in the corner. <laughs> from a bona fide luxury lodge. Oh, yeah. Just standing this deep in water. And that... the 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 financial value of the camp isn't the coolness of the camp. It's the stories. It's the pictures on the exactly. wall. It's the photo albums. It's people that you don't know. That you can sit around and share break bread right have a have a meal with Mm -hmm. and the bond that the outdoors gives there's there's the bond with the outdoors but the people who celebrate the outdoors those are very very real relationships you bet absolutely and because we may not be
1: like-minded in a lot of things But when you're out there, you better be. You're like-minded. Yeah, yeah. I got a story from a couple weeks ago. Um, I took so our producer Daniel, um, who does all our audio and social media for our podcast, he's not a big outdoorsman. He grew up hiking. Um, He's familiar with like, you know, the trails and the buffalo and stuff like that. But just never got into hunting, fishing. His dad wasn't that way, and then he never had anybody, I guess, to to kind of guide him that way. But He's one of my longtime friends. We grew up together. Um, all three of us actually grew up together um, from elementary school. And um, and we're still friends to this day and do the podcast together. But Daniel, he's not an out, outdoorsman. He'll say it to your face. He'll come in here and he's like, I just don't love it. I just don't love hunting and fishing. But a couple of weeks ago, we went out and it was after work. And I just texted. Him. I was like, hey, man, I'm going to go chase some smallmouth. If you want to come, you're welcome to join to my surprise, he was like, yeah, let's do it. I'm down, which is great. So we go out and we start. He, uh, he takes a spin rod. I've got my fly rod, and we're just kind of scouting. We're looking for, for some smallmouth. It's clear water. It hadn't rained in a, probably a week or two. It's low water, so you can see everything, exactly. which is one of the cool things about yeah, smallmouth yeah. fishing is if you're in, like, the Kings, Crooked, even some of these backwater creeks that you have running through northwest Arkansas, you can see everything. So we were we were walking along, and I don't even know if he's ever caught a smallmouth.
3: So you're, so you're just walking. We're waiting. Fishing.
1: Yeah, this yeah. is a spot that I've got access to from a, a private landowner, um, and we're just walking. We're looking, and all of a sudden, he actually spots it. He's like, "Oh, there's a there's a fish." Uh, he didn't even know what it was. He goes, "There's a fish." I'm like, "Yeah, it's a big old fish." I'm like, "Yeah, that's it. That's a, that's what we're after. That's a smallmouth." And I'm up ahead of him. There's a glare, so he can't see it anymore. So now I become his spotter. He's back there. He's throwing a little orange lizard, something weighted. I'm like, cast right at that rock, just right to the right of it. Bring it back. You're going to lead him and twitch it. I'm talking him through the whole thing, right? Twitch it. Come on, come on, come on. I feel like I'm right there. Yeah. Pause. I'm on the high bank, right? He can't see. I've got no glare. Twitch it. Pull. Wait. Wait. Twitch bam boom and he, and that smallmouth takes it he doesn't even know it at that point i say set the hook cuz he can't see it and he doesn't know what that means and before before <laughs> he could even feel the fish i saw that it took the fish and took the bait he set the hook he's got it on there now he fights it he gets it in awesome time right but oh, yeah. it it was so cool for me back to what we were talking about I didn't even have to catch the fish. Yeah. It was so cool for me. More
3: enjoyment than he did. Exactly. Or as much.
1: To be there in that moment and be that spot for him. That fish, yeah. Set that and just introduce him to something that I love so much and doing. It felt like I was like I would do that 10 times out of 10. I I would Absolutely. rather do that than catch the fish. So Absolutely. that's the
0: that's actually the conservation story. So the conservation story is is you may not be the fisherman, but the fisher in the river. You may not be the deer hunter, but the deer are in the woods. You bet. Mm -hmm. And if you can conserve that, if you can give that to others, the younger generations or the unwilling or unknowing, that for these guys who gave us those rivers, you bet. That's the feeling that they feel.
4: Mm -hmm.
1: Exactly. And,
0: And it's by tens of thousands right oh, yeah. you're yeah. helping one guy i'm helping one guy right and we know the emotional value of that yeah but these folks i mean think about how cool it would be if you were wealthy enough or you had a family property and you were able to donate that to the game and fish mm-hmm. right. like the access along crooked creek right mm-hmm. you bet. i mean as, as we're going to these rivers if there's an access point it typically has a name houseman right whatever yeah We don't put the effort in to know who that person was. Who that husband was, yeah. But they thought enough of that land and the excitement and the good times that they'd had. And knew what they had. That they want to share it with the rest of us. Right. And it's not even we're sharing it with
1: Arkansas. Sharing it with the damn world. Yeah. Seriously. Anyone who wants to come. And it's so important to them to donate it that they will forego the financial value of holding on to the land, selling it one day, making the profit. Exactly. They yeah. they care enough about that, what you just said, to give it away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, like that's passion. Oh, that's and I and I've been fortunate
3: enough to take my two young boys, of course my oldest son's about your age. <laughs> but you know, to take them on, you know, gator hunts and in deer hunts and it's just like joe said it's so much more fulfilling to go out there and put them on a big buck mm-hmm. and watch them kill one and just see the excitement on it on their face and was it's tenfold when it's a grandson
1: yeah i can see that put him
3: out there and he kills a nice buck, or it kills his first buck. May yeah. not be a nice buck, <laughs> yeah, it could be but any. But kill his first buck, any deer. Period. And, <laughs> and knowing that in his memory is with me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
0: so what do you do for money?
1: A lot I, of things. Oh, uh, what's your career? <laughs> uh, so I work in retail. Um, I work for. A, a large corporation in Bentonville, Arkansas. I got you. That's a retailer. Yeah, I understand <laughs> that one. I do a lot of work for myself. So <laughs> don't, don't we all.
0: <laughs> the American population who shops at that large retailer really doesn't understand. They, they see a big box store. Mm-hmm. And the majority of them don't realize the amount of, money and conservation the foundation puts into it Um, when you talk about the Mississippi River the Walton Foundation has spent billions protecting the mouth of the Mississippi when you think about Sam Walton he was a hunter Uh, Old Roy was a real bad bird dog. Mm -hmm. Uh, It wasn't a quality dog. (laughs) Sam had good dogs, and quail hunting was a super important thing to that family. Right. Here in northwest Arkansas, currently the revolution is going from uh, depending on hunting and fishing as, as a pastime and as a staple of food, groceries inside your freezer that family still wants you to enjoy the outdoors it's just a different method it's it's through bicycling mountain biking it's through uh what they've just currently finished on the illinois river this whitewater thing yeah the kayak part yeah um there's there's a pile of money in there and and you know the saying it takes a village that's just not the poor folks we've got to get the wealthy buy into the value of it as well and and i mean i'll be the first one to tell you the walton family i don't know any other billionaires i ain't never been around them yeah but if if we could get the rest of billionaires to act like that family of billionaires man you'd see a change in in a lot of stuff and the overwhelming majority now i'm not saying about the retail giant itself but the family Mm -hmm. is sure enough Supportive of the outdoors, and you know, a little bit later, I'm going to do your show. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things it, it was, it used to be there was a time that Jim Walton would be walking around the square, and, and Jim owns our vest, and he's kind of got a few bucks, you yeah,
1: know, one or two,
0: but he would have a pair of Walmart slacks on, a pair of shoes like Bill, and uh a cheap faded glory Walmart shirt and would be strolling around the square why is he hating on your shoes Bill
2: (laughs) Uh, he doesn't like arthritis
0: (laughs) and uh, he would come up and he would talk to you anybody on the square you've got a guy with 30 40 billion dollars right who would come up and have conversation well one day I was at a place that I fit in real well the uh, the, uh, 21C hotel Oh yeah. You're one of the people there. <laughs> I'm I'm I just I fit into that deal, man, like a wood just goes doubt. right in the front door. That's and right. uh, I was oh, Joe's back. <laughs> I was I'd become really good friends with the chef there, Matt McClure. And Matt McClure, he's currently working for the Rockefellers up in Vermont. He he bounces cool. from one deal to the other, but Matt McClure appreciated the outdoors and he appreciated the bounty of the outdoors and me and him shared a passion of something that others would call trash i wanted to put value in Mm. and so that was a snow goose right that was a sucker that was a squirrel yeah that was all of these things and and so me and matt would share recipes we'd cook together so we were sitting at the 21c and alice walton And Jim Walton and his wife come in, and they sat at our table, just me and my wife. And they asked me if I was going to throw the squirrel cook off on the square that year. And I said, yeah. And Jim said, I bet you if my dad was alive, he'd be selling watermelons at that thing. (laughs) And I said, I bet you he would. I guarantee it. And Alice said, and Alice is the the founder of Crystal Bridges, and... Mm -hmm. They're now doing the opera of the Ozarks and all of this stuff. Alice said, boy, I sure would love to judge that squirrel cook-off. And I said, I sure would enjoy you judging it, too. Heck, yeah. Because I could just imagine the T-shirts I could sell if (laughs) if the richest woman on the face of the earth, or second (laughs) richest, was eating a mouthful of squirrel. Oh, man. It would have been on every network. But they appreciated what I did. And when we get to your show, this is for our listeners to listen to your show. Yeah. I'll tell you how the whole real point of it was to rub salt inside the growth of Northwest Arkansas. Mm. And it was to put us all on a level plane. I love it. So that's
1: when we get to yours, that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, we'll definitely have to talk about that. I I do want to I want to level set too on something that you talked about absolutely the waltons and the billionaires of northwest arkansas and arkansas missouri the ozarks can absolutely of course make a huge difference right but i think it's important to to say too that um we we did a podcast with with austin booth who's the current director of arkansas game and fish um and he talks about our habitat in the state of Arkansas, at least, is incredibly challenged right now, Um, both qualitatively and quantitatively. Um, Quantitatively, because there's more and more development. And for every every acre of asphalt that you put down, you take an acre of of habitat away from wildlife. And you also make 100-year floods more frequent. Exactly, floods, erosion. Um, and then qualitatively from when you put that acre of asphalt down, you now fragment the remaining habitat. And so you, you end up creating these islands, islands, right? And so, um, so as Northwest Arkansas continues to grow and develop, that's something to be aware of and pay attention to and how we develop and how we grow. And then the other thing too is, um, erosion. You, You talked about erosion. When you put asphalt down, you actually, um, speed up the water speed up water as it as it washes away on the Washita River they did a game and fish did a project down on the Washita River where they they did stream bank restoration on 1 mile of the Washita River on a farmer's property or something like that i don't even know if it was a full mile but in doing that they estimated that they prevented 4000 dump trucks and you guys are construction guys yeah 4,000 dump trucks of sediment from going into the lake from that one project. And so it, it just shows that erosion in the habitat that we have, it's so important that we be aware of like what's going on and why it's challenged. Because the truth is like our lakes are filling in, our habitat is disappearing off the landscape. Our forests are overgrown into these hardwood canopies where no sunlight can get through the ground. So there's not that vegetation growing up in the understory for the turkeys, for the quail, for the deer. And so all these things are happening. Meanwhile, you have less and less people hunting and fishing all the time who are the advocates for those exact initiatives. And so it's incredibly important. And, And one of the things that we're passionate about through doing our podcast is we can't turn people away coming to Northwest Arkansas. It's not possible. But what if we can turn them into advocates for the landscape and the exactly. habitat exactly. so that they appreciate it, they understand it, and they don't try to make it something that it's, it was never intended to be and that it's not supposed to be. So
3: that's that's it's, it's one thing. It's, it's exactly the opposite of what people think hunters do. Yes exactly you yeah know what you know
1: what i'm talking about yeah they think I hunters mean, are killers and
3: they think hunters are
0: depleting all of our natural resources mm-hmm. which it's we're the
2: opposite Far from true. so yeah.
0: i'm gonna play devil's advocate and, and you being half our age three three of bills uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let me tell you i love throwing birds. shots at you bill <laughs> bill is bill is a an emerald in our crown but you're too kind so <laughs> an emerald in our crown he said. so i like that thank you one of the things that as devil's advocate on this yeah is you've got someone who's moved from chicago yeah and they sold their place for 10 million dollars yeah. and then they take their 10 million dollars and they come to northwest arkansas and so that inflation is really different now than it was twenty years ago. Yeah. But when the influx of the people coming in, they would buy swaths of land, and so if they bought a hundred acres, five hundred acres, because they could, mm-hmm. they were non hunters. They don't want any, They're not. They're not hunters, but S- they don't want anybody hunting. So that property mm-hmm. that previously maybe the local people around there would hunt it. They were friends with them that also becomes an island of land that's not being used for the resources that's on there yeah that's true the the other part of it is we learned from one of our shows and you probably wouldn't know this we didn't know this but we were like a sage prairie 80 years ago right and so the vegetation that was here wasn't these hay fields it wasn't It wasn't like this. Yeah. It wasn't the fescue, the Bermuda. Right.
3: Fescue is not a native grass. Yeah.
0: So when these people no longer cut the hay and they let the native vegetation grow, we're actually turning some of these areas into more of a native habitat than a local would by cutting it and doing everything that they do. My belief is, is the one piece of our environment that is not being naturally uh, allowed is fire. 100% agree. Right. And so our forests that are owned by the Forest Service are burned on a on a regular basis, on a cycle. Our private lands are not. No. And people are scared to start a fire. They don't know how to start a fire. But they, at the same time, you're saying... They're not burning anything. Nothing's getting burnt. And whenever a fire does happen, the first thing we want to do is put out the fire. But, right. it's, going to, but it's
3: going to take a long time for that to go back to native grasses.
0: It, it, the theory that, that I would have is the reason why we have so many ticks and so many chiggers. Mm-hmm. And and that's a, do, that's a people it. problem, yeah. but that's an animal problem. It when it you is. take our quail and the chiggers get all over a, an infant quail... And cover their eyes and and they die or the yeah. deer. we can blame we could blame everything we want on a coyote or a hawk or or whatever we want right We're feral a cats yeah. now feral cats all need to be killed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's true too <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true the the grass, the actual woods, the fact that you can't see through our woods anymore because mm-hmm. they're so overgrown, the amount of insects non-native species the uh the damn bradford pears mm. right they're horrible mm. yeah and so i'm
2: cutting down two tomorrow you just I, did it for me he just they're gone right give it a give it round a round another applause year for Bell here. There there you
0: we need to bring back fire
2: yeah
1: agree and
3: would, and, and you coming from a state where they don't
0: like the fire? No, I mean every state. The, the The traditional Ozark way was is neighbors would come together and they would light fires and they would burn but, off fields. But what I'm saying is, in California, when they have a fire, it's it's
1: catastrophic, usually and crazy. Yeah,
0: no, but, but, I mean, but you don't
3: down several hundred homes and shit.
0: Yeah. yeah, well, that's that's another deal. Is you can't complain about a tree falling on your house when you build your house. Under, under the, the tree. trees. exactly. You can't complain about your house falling in the ocean when you build your right house there. on the ocean. Yeah. And so from an environmental side, when I hear that so many new, you know, the, the, the world's getting hotter and all the garbage... That all of these homes are being lost to the what, ocean into hurricanes. Well, yeah. no shit, dude. Hey, what the wise man do? <laughs> no, build,
3: where the wise man build his house? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to build it where it ain't gonna
0: flood. <laughs> yeah. You want to build it? I mean, those are. It is man made problems. It's we build stuff where we don't need to build it. So to turn this back onto your topic, yeah, we're covering a lot of dirt. There's there's a lot of of people who move here and they see the beauty the natural beauty Mm -hmm. but it's a resource that our state our local people it's a neighbor need to go over to those people and say hey man you you do have too many deer Mm -hmm. or or, you know as a fisherman but I i like to watch them i like to look at them yeah they do
3: they do, and, I and feed we do, I feed them. They're, those are my deer. Yeah, they're, they're deer. How many Pat, times have you heard
0: that? Pet deer, yeah. But, you know, as yeah. if, if you have a farm pond on your property and you're not taken out, you're stunting everything. Everything's small. Right. There's yeah. no room in there. Right. And so when these people buy up that property, I mean, me and Joe's been run off of places that we fish for we fish probably, we didn't get run off by your partner <laughs> on Spavinaw Creek, but... They tried to run us off of a place that we had fished for years and years oh yeah and, and those particular trout we knew how to catch them i'm willing to say that you got two guys sitting here that had caught some of the biggest trout that's ever been caught on that creek absolutely in the side of the mouth <laughs> we caught them yeah and uh we thought it was easy for everybody yeah. <laughs> because we were out there just
1: lollygagging around, r- ripping lips. Well, some people pay a lot of money to go out there and catch fish. Yeah. And, and I'm not and hating the, on them at all. No. And and, they,
3: and, and if if, if they happen to grow up in a place where they don't have that, you know, don't have that, what's the thing? I'm Resource. They don't have that resource. You're right. I grew up with that in my backyard. Mm-hmm. But at the
0: same time. I didn't keep them. Right. I mean, I released them. Hell, we don't like to eat a trout. I wouldn't eat a You don't a like trade. how that uh, You know, last or, or year... You I, just they're, catch not, on they're not near <clears throat> as good as crappie. crop. Last year... That's true, too. We <laughs> threw... Uh, up in north-central Arkansas, we threw a steak cook-off up there. And for an ancillary meat, I had to come up with an idea what a good ancillary would be. And my choice was rainbow trout. And the reason was... Is because... Typically, a guy says, Oh man, I make the best rainbow trout. I take a piece of aluminum foil, I put some butter in there, I put some lemon pepper on lemon top pepper. of it, I wrap it up, put throw it in the over, fire, yada, yada, or yada, or yada. whatever, mm-hmm. and man, it's just good. In mm-hmm. no, the day, it ain't worth a shit. It's it ain't trout. It <laughs> good. Yeah, it ain't good. So, we threw an ancillary of rainbow trout, and we had, man, like 60 teams cook trout. And what we learned was, is trout can be good <laughs> and so they made trout cakes like a crab cake they made all kinds of dishes and not one person turned in a trout wrapped in aluminum foil with butter and lemon pepper <laughs> because they knew that if they were going to try to make something really but good that any, wasn't it did
2: anybody yeah. wrap some with some ozark bacon <laughs> <laughs> and grill that puppy. I don't I know think that, so, Bill. I know that Tell Joe about the Joe bacon. thinks that you just you you're wasting bacon. I'm anti bacon. It's like a guy it's like a guy with Coorsy a bacon? half Poodle You don't dog. know about this. What is oh, Cursey bacon? Oh, That's Coorsies, like Toursies. Like, it's like straight up. It's the oh. Coors. It is in they, Saint Joe, Arkansas. You're right soaking bacon High in Coors. Highway. No, no, this is <laughs> like the a marinade. Coors. Oh, this Coors bacon. Fix, he's
0: fixing to change your life. He's oh, life. These he's
2: smoked one. meats have been coming out of the Coorsie family. Oh, okay, okay. So no, well, no, no. St. Joe, Arkansas, and if you've never been there, you've got to go. It's the best bacon. When are we going? When are it's, we going? It's the best on the in the planet. Okay, so we're going to do best? a show with them there. Well, we we probably should. We should. should hit the road to get the full but, effect. Yeah, I think we can just let me cook up some back bacon. And uh, where, some, where's this at? Where, but, where's there? You know, you could wrap at? it around a trout, but that's. Like my friend that has poodles, he says, why, <laughs> wrap up <the> bacon <laughs> around a poodle." No, yeah, why have, why have a snoodle poodles. or or cocker doodle when you could have table, the best table, dog table. there is, you know? So why have trout on bacon when you could just have the best bacon there is? Okay, right. he, here's my theory on bacon. <laughs> bacon is
0: really, really good. Absolutely, it's 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 a perfect. It's right breakfast. up there with sausage. It goes good on a sandwich bacon's good by itself it's kind of it, it, it's kind of like a carnivore granola bar you could just grab a piece of bacon and get your protein yeah i
3: wouldn't even call it granola bar that's like down planted it, mean, it right.
0: it, it's it, well boudin would be a cajun there you go cajun granola bar right These got that sausage got the grain everything the you're saying like, it's just bacon. always good bacon's always good it's always good so when i cook bacon i cook the whole pack of course I so, put it in the fridge, and I just eat
2: it all week. Well, I just buy this stuff about 20 pounds at a time, so come on.
3: Come on. It's so my
2: deal is a big is, pack of bacon <laughs> is I think that if you shoot
0: uh, a limited dove and your way of preparing the dove is wrapping it in bacon and putting a piece of jalapeno and maybe your cream cheese or whatever. Maybe a little slice of onion. Just don't even waste your time with the dove, man. mm enjoy the dove. Yeah. I I, I, hear I like dove. Straight up dove. The the, the thing is, is any time that you wrap something in bacon, one of the two items there, either the thing you're wrapping or the bacon is going to sacrifice in the cook. Yeah. The bacon's going to come out overcooked or it's going to come out soggy and stretchy and nasty. The, the, the dove itself is going to be gray. It's not going to have a good sear. It's going to be chewy. You're mm-hmm. not going to get the whole flavor. So... I'm opposed sh- wrapping a shrimp in bacon, dude. You cook your the bacon shrimp. right and eat the shrimp. Have them both, but yeah. don't put the two together. Do yeah. you Do you know what a zebroid is? No,
2: it's bacon and a zebroid. <laughs>
0: <No. laughs> zebroid. <laughs> Have you never heard of a zebroid? I have not. I,
1: don't feel bad. I, I feel had. like I I should, but it
0: <laughs> seems no, unreasonable. No, you shouldn't. Well, we've been talking hybrids. <laughs> so before you come, it's I was discussing road. my mm. trip to Noah's Ark in Kentucky. Okay. you Because that's, that's where it ended up. So there's a full-size, so two-scale Noah's Ark in Kentucky. Do come they on.
3: think that's where it ended up? No. no. And so and I got on that. so
0: wherever the that boat at? landed, wherever Noah's Ark landed, Mount Sinai, could be. All right. Or Kentucky. Right. what it says. Or Kentucky. Yeah. So why is it in Kentucky? Well, yeah, why is it in Kentucky? I, because the land was cheap. <laughs> so if you think about this deal, and we're not going to go religion here. We're going to just go with a story about Noah's Ark. If the whole earth was covered in water, and there was ravaging floods and disruptive weather to where you had to build this boat, that's 351 feet cubits. long. Cubits. cubits.
1: Cubits. Which is a distance. Have we converted cubits to a, the metric system or the American yeah, So uh, the cubit we
0: have, is from the tip of your finger to the elbow. Okay. And it should range my, around 21 and a half inches. Or my, my, or, my elbow or your or elbow. Or a Hispanic penis. It's same. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, same thing.
2: It's, as we digress. The,
0: the cubit, I guess it's based off of like however long their arms were back then. Which could have been longer than ours. I don't know. It could have been. It could have been tall. But 21 and a half inches is the consensus on what this cubit. Cubit. Okay. Here to there. His if brain. you're in this ravaging storm and everything on earth is ravaged, okay, that means the trees are gone. You sabe?
3: Everything's gone but the dove. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, Cheers to that, Joe. <laughs> the, the, the dove and everything on the boat. So, say the boat lands on this Mount Cyanide or whatever.
4: Yeah.
1: you say cyanide? <laughs> <laughs> he said <just> cyanide. <laughs> it was a deadly cruise. That was cruise. Intentional. <laughs> I that, that was good. So,
0: so, if this boat lands on top of there, I'm ain't no trees on top no of what? That mountain. What was it called? That cyanide. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> so whenever the boat lands on top of this hill bill timestamp is what I'm after here, oh, thank you very much <laughs> I'm listening Daniel, no time for the cowboy Daniel's here
1: all right we'll
0: Joe can in you door. let
1: Daniel yeah. in. I got him so Her, hold on wait he's he's out in the parking lot give him a sec so tell him to go to the 4th alright boys listen to my story yeah we're coming
0: right here so we're, we're ravaged to the 4th floor I'm leading by the elevator <laughs> so we're ravaged Everything is washed off from Mount Sinai. That's right. There Not ain't a thing no, there. There ain't no trees no more. Okay? The boat's sitting on top of there. You know how long it takes to grow a tree that's capable of building you a good structure? A minute. Especially when there ain't no trees. So there ain't no way they ever going to find that boat. Because in my mind, if I find this big giant boat and there's only eight of us, and we've been on this thing for 40 days and 40 nights eating vegetables come to find out i learned that on the boat there. yeah so
3: 40, 40 days, 40 nights.
0: yeah for a okay however long it takes for the water to come off mount sinai Yep. Yeah. i'm gonna disassemble this wood structure and i'm gonna start building some stuff yeah you are you see what i'm saying i do i do see what you're saying so you ain't gonna find this vessel. State better stop spending their money looking for it, because what they did is, is they built smoke houses and they built other boats and they built everything, because all the dang wood was washed off and probably wound up in Antarctica,
1: yeah, like in a big bay. No, you're right. They they definitely would have repurposed that. However, I will repurposed. say this. I'm listening. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna squash your story completely, but I'm gonna say this. Even if it did rain for for all that time and the water was covered over it, everything and it ravaged everything I still think there would be trees down there because think about Beaver Lake oh yeah they pop up out of the blue there's still trees down there they don't have leaves on them they may not be alive bro but are you
0: waiting for these trees to pop up or are you disassembling the boat
1: oh no no I'm not I'm, I agree with you I'm just saying I think there's still trees there but I, I'm for sure I've already got my wood cut into planks it's probably already plain I, I'm taking that apart it's fairly dry on the inside yeah Yeah, I'm I'm definitely taking that apart. And
0: you're cooking with the wood.
1: Yeah, why not? Have a fire.
0: This is a forgotten part of history that Noah's Ark was
2: repurposed for a barbecue joint.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They built the... It was applewood <laughs> smoked bacon. There go- was, it it was gopher,
2: gopher was, wood, yeah. man. That yeah.
1: was where the Kersey yeah. family got their wood <laughs> to smoke that Kersey's bacon. Kersey's original bacon was made out of Noah's Ark. Yep. Oh. A lot of people don't <laughs> realize That's why it's so dang good. I'm telling you, it's the best there is. I want to come back to something you said earlier. Let's hear it. Talking about conservation. Um, fire. That's where I was going to go. You said you said something about fire, which I, I love that topic because I think there's a lot of... there's. The popular opinion, it's coming back around. I think people are becoming more acceptable of fire than they have been in the past. Think about Smokey the Bear. When did he start? Long time ago. 1930s, 40s, something like that. Never changed his outfit. Never changed. He's just impeccable style. Um, but Smokey the Bear was good for a lot of reasons because he he prevented fires. However, he went too far. We all grew up, I mean, at least me, I grew up with an admiration for Smokey the Bear, almost like a cartoon character, right? He went too far to where it no longer, his slogan was, only you can prevent forest fires. And what it should have been is only you can prevent wildfires. Back to your point, the state of Arkansas, historically, they have data that goes back 200 years, um... Dan,
0: come over here. Come on, Dan. Have a seat. Come on, Dan. Dan, we know about your, about yeah. your smallmouth that you caught Yeah, how excited you got. We already talked about you. You're famous, huh?
1: Producer Dan is coming on. Welcome welcome to the show. Uh, but we have data that goes back hundreds of years, 300, 400 years, based on, I think, um, trees, tree rings that can show historical burn sites. And so... We're talking pre-Smokey the Bear. We're talking pre-Smokey the Bear. And, um, Long after Noah yeah long after noah quail <laughs> somewhere t- right in between <laughs> <laughs> Plus <or minus. laughs> quail forever has and game and fish has this class that talks about historical burn regimes the state of arkansas would burn in its entirety every four to five years amazing right the entire state yeah and so think about that when's the last time that's happened i don't know never i mean you know it's been <laughs> a long when time when is the right? last time i actually don't i'm gonna know. say they don't have, that. They don't have that data they probably do i don't know it but did Smokey the Bear have any siblings? There was um little Smokey
4: <laughs>
1: that's, with barbecue sauce in <laughs> a crock pot. Didn't, didn't they have the porridge? Was that the porridge family? <laughs> porridge.
0: What is exactly porridge?
1: I think it's oatmeal. Do we know what porridge is? I think it's
0: oatmeal. I think it's real bad oatmeal.
1: Yeah, that's very
3: no, thin mean, oatmeal without the cinnamon. My mother used to make. They had three called, oats. What we, what they, we called etole. Yeah, that's the Tole. chupacabra version. No, huh? it was, elote was corn. Corn. I was going to say that. And then like the elote. etole was, it was like my mom would, I would ask my mom, "What what is that? Just eat it, boy. She would say, it's like porridge. Porridge. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and it was like <laughs> chocolate. It. it was like chocolate pudding, but served hot. Like tapioca? <laughs> no, it wasn't tapioca. It was chocolate chocolate pudding, served hot. You had chocolate porridge?
0: Ooh. Oh, you living high, son, man! Uh, damn, man! We didn't have no chocolate. That reminds me, what's you that didn't stuff? You've no chocolate. We mo- didn't have no chocolate for breakfast. Sounds like
3: mole. Mole is kind of mo- mole it, is more like peanut butter, but doesn't that have chocolate in it? <laughs> mole is, well, how, how would you How would
0: you explain mole? Oh, a, a good mole is going to have nuts,
1: and but it's, it's gonna like have it's more like peanut butter. Okay. Yeah, There's it, chocolate
0: in it though, right? It, 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 cocoa.
3: But, but okay. it, the toilet that we had was like literally hot chocolate pudding. We gotta whip <laughs> up a batch. With a little bit of a grit to it. <laughs> uh, almost like uh that doesn't sound almost good. seriously, it was almost like uh, what am I thinking of? Gravel that we, <laughs> we have <Great> gravel, <laughs> gravel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, that we have here in Arkansas. Grits. Uh, grits. Oh, grits. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was like chocolate grits. <laughs> Interesting. Was it a dessert? No, it was like breakfast. It's like chocolate gravy. Chocolate yeah. gravy. Y'all had chocolate gravy? Oh, yeah, I love yeah. chocolate See, I've gravy. never had the chocolate gravy, but I guess it wouldn't. It's Might literally, be I think
6: it's heated up So you, did it's you guys ever have the
3: sweet rice when you were a
1: kid? Mm. Like Hawaiian rice? <laughs> well, I'm not Hawaiian, <laughs> so I don't know. Is yeah. that with spam? I don't know. Maybe. Are you a spam guy? You're too young to Ooh, like no, spam. I love spam. No, I'm not. You don't like spam. It's not that I'm against it. I just don't know that I've ever had it. Are oh, you kidding me? I'm. I'm. Spam towards that. Never had it. My,
3: How my do you prep
1: it? Cut. Both then fried, Chris. Both of
0: our so, moms So stand we're going to introduce. We're, we're going to yeah.
3: introduce. Uh, Lieutenant Dan, Daniel Lieutenant, Lieutenant Dan, yeah, Daniel, exactly. Daniel, Matthews. What are your thoughts on spam? Daniel,
6: I've never had it, but they have those commercials out now. It's like, don't knock it till you try it. And right. They have like the, so uh, it's like jalapeno jalapenos. No, no, Let me tell
3: you
0: what you do. First of all, I'm going to tell you what you need to know. First of all, <laughs> when you get here we go, Joe. When you get into Daniel, this, this
1: is Joe, and this is Joe. By I know, the way, I was like Joe.
0: Yeah, squared. <laughs> Joe squared. So when you get into this spam, that's Bill. It's a lot more confusing now than in our youth. Okay. Because there back used to be then, one spam. There was just spam. And what's happened is because of all of these different uh, genres of human beings, mm-hmm. ethnic we've, <laughs> groups, we've had to we influence our ethnic? spam by saying, oh, that's teriyaki spam. It's, it's jalapeno. This is chorizo <laughs> spam. <laughs> chorizo. Spam with Tabasco, mm. Con garlic. On garlic, on garlic, <laughs> chocolate spam. No, they ain't got chocolate
3: spam <laughs> not yet. But <laughs> which I might add, the garlic and the spam, and garlic and the in the jalapeno.
5: Jesus Christ, <laughs> boys! <laughs> I'm just telling Is that that you. Good Jesus oh. Christ. <laughs> 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 so here,
0: I'm gonna walk you through a proper spam preparation. Mm. Please do. Okay, so up on the top of this four inch by two and a half inch tall can you got a gold lid, and that gold lid is just simply a sign of quality. Mm. Okay? (laughs) Yep. And so what you do is— I've got a ring made out of it. (laughs) In the the (laughs) left-hand corner of this can, there is a tab, and what I need you to do is fold up that tab just like an old-school beer can, and you're going to peel it off, and it's going to make a sound. Just like like a bush can. (laughs) You're going to hear this sound, and you know that the party's about to start. Now up on the top you're gonna see a lather of a clear jellified substance. Gelatinous. 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 Do not mind this.
1: <laughs> what might we
0: Leave do it alone <laughs> substance. <So what laughs> leave this it alone. Is for, you can leave it, but it, leave it alone. Is this is to help whenever you turn this can upside down and you whack it real hard. It's going to slip right out of the can. The lubricant grease s- clear like
3: KY s- jelly substance, not Kentucky. <laughs> you green can't green st- find it with a grape and shit <laughs> like that like, in the grocery it's, store. It's going to pop out. <laughs> whole s- different
0: r- herd over an area over the, by the pharmacy. This like square Concoction and what it's made out of, people would say, well, it's lips and butts and tails and all that? that shit.
3: Your wife likes
0: scrapple. Scrabble. Scrabble. So, it's like scrapple. and it's a it's a lot. It's premium. And so, what it is is, whenever they take a ham, there's all kinds of these little morsels that are the premier piece, but they chop those off and condense them like, I don't know, hydraulic press or something. Yeah, got to be. And they put them inside this can of Spam. So now you got it sitting on the cutting board. I think they send them to space to compress it, actually. <laughs> they, they use it in submarines. I think they'd have to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, they take it looking for the Titanic, and you can take I think, it. I think they just boil it. You could find a can <laughs> of Spam down there by the Titanic the size of a pinto bean, I've heard. But you take this can of Spam, and now what I'd say is grab you at least a six-inch kitchen knife. And you got two choices. Damn it, boy, you're making me hungry. You got two choices right now, Bill. You can cut this the short way or the long way. The long way fits on toast perfectly. perfectly. Oh.
2: And so what I I'm going to do
0: is I'm going to lay this no. down. Now, is that
2: down. toast or is that Texas
0: toast that's just bread? No, that's straight up toast. Yeah. Toast. Okay. Toast. <laughs> and, and we're, so not, we're not in Texas, well, What, what okay. you do is you Sarai. lay it down there and no more than three-eighths of an inch, maximum thickness of Spam.
3: I'd say quarter inch.
0: No more than three-eighths. Quarter, quarter inch. Maybe
2: no less than a quarter. Probably, <laughs> probably qu- not.
0: Qu- now, you could go paper thin. You could see through the Spam. You can put though. it
2: on
3: slicer. But you ain't I feel got like that's time. that's too
0: delicate for Spam. So you go on that no more than three-eighths, and you're going to go ahead and you're going to lay it down. Now, in a 14-inch skillet, it's still two batches. Mm. Mm. So... You, you get that skillet nice and hot. And a little professional spam education here is you kind of want to jumpstart that skillet a little bit by putting a little grease inside there.
1: Mm. What kind of
0: grease? Whatever. Animal fat is the best. Does it's that just stuff it, on top of the spam count? No. That works as <laughs> it's great as sunscreen. Just, it's just like having <laughs> sex. Sunscreen. It's just like having sex. You don't
3: want to throw the meat to it until the skillet's hot. That's right. And so what we do... Pro tips
0: from Joe. So that's that's where he... <laughs> on all counts. That's <laughs> where he comes from. So you jumpstart that oil a little bit, and you get it to glistens. And now you try a game of Tetris with your spam, and you try to layer it in there to where you can maximize it. Now, if you're still wanting to try to one-batch it, which you will not be successful, around the rim of that skillet, you could lean that spam up and kind of get it getting up to temperature. Mm-hmm, yeah. Now... Sp- if if sp- you're doing some... Sure enough, go ahead. Skill, yeah. This is iron skill. Yeah. And so, what you're going to know is, is spam has its own language, Mm -hmm. and a lot of times, as it sits in that skillet, spamish,
1: (laughs) spamish. I'm going to do some. You ever hear
0: like when you throw a locust in the campfire? Yeah. Is that scream? Yeah. Gets real loud, then it gets real quiet. Yeah. Spam can whistle like that, and you'll look. Your dog's laying over there, and one ear is just kind of twerking like a teapot a little bit <laughs> yeah it's a twerking yeah, dog, but twerking dog <laughs> but only faster
1: that's how you know when it's done no
0: when your dog starts twerking. you want it to whistle just a little bit that spam and it'll start to flex now you can go kitchen fork and you fold it over and you're wanting this nice sear of the spam not black just a good caramelization good crust mm-hmm. And you get both of those sides to maximize like that now this is the time of the year where a homegrown tomato is real handy mm. now smoke beefsteak. i'm saying mm. you cut that cherokee <laughs> or that beefsteak a little bit thicker than the spam some duke's mayo on there throw that butter can't it go wrong with the duke's mayo. Mm. boys boys you've missed i'm hungry it. it's spam
6: sounds real wow. good now I feel like we need to do this. What does? Can you compare it to something? What does it taste like? Salty, salty. Okay. Or it's, sex? It's not sweet. <laughs> it's. I kind of no. thought it'd be sweet. No, a little bit. no, no. no. <laughs> like a cured ham. No, yeah, it's yeah. Not that's salty. what it looks At like. All. It looks like, like the oh. commercial, it the it looks new like commercial. A it's like, oh,
2: this is ham. It tastes like better than bologna. It's better than. Mm, I bologna. do oh, like bologna. Okay. Okay. Then you, then you're a spam, you're spam person. I also like pickle loaf. Pickle loaf with the olives in it. Yeah.
0: Okay. Hell yeah! I like Do you know it. I'm right there with you that 50 percent of the population hates an olive. Well, but, good. That's more for me. I'm, I'm
3: an olive. I'm an olive guy.
0: Black, a black olive and a green olive ain't even two of the same nature. Yeah, it is. Same one. Love <laughs> them all. black olive. <laughs> love them all. Soggy.
5: Goober. I won't
4: even
3: eat them. I'll just roll them around in my mouth. You for still a while. put them on your fingers? <laughs> I'm about them. <laughs> just like them. Just like it. What was them little. Old. What, what was them Boy, chips? Boy, if y'all could see that! What was them chips that were like a bugle? Oh, yeah. The bugle. men mm. bugles, I just put them on my finger and I... <laughs> tap, tap, tap,
1: tap.
3: So anyways, we're we'll talking about forest so fires. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know
1: how we got on spam. spam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> an
3: and am- we
2: ain't even been to Hawaii yet. <laughs> that was an amazing... I think we go back to Mount Sinai. Hawaii, 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 yeah, <laughs> Mount <Cyanide. Cyanide>. Sinai. <laughs>
1: Did you know, Daniel, that's where the Noah's Ark landed, Mount Sinai?
2: Mount Sinai. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> hey, Close. You don't want Lick
1: that thing, dude. I'm just saying, don't kiss the ground there. No. Well, I
3: mean, not like right up the middle,
0: but you can lick around on the sides. Of that. <laughs> so you just you don't want to lick the Noah's Ark. I'm just telling you. I believe it. That thing will make you crappie flop. <laughs> and uh so, anyways, forest fires. How do we? How do we come back? So to... back to natural resources. uh <laughs> So you want to come back from it? Check this out, man. I'm an old school podcaster. We've been doing this two, two seasons. You ready? Bring it on. Have
2: you ever seen your spam? No, we don't go there. <laughs> no, we're not going there. We,
0: we outgrew that. So the, the time that you found passion on the river yeah. and you recognized the beauty of the river, you, you uh, recognized the, 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 the spiritual part of the water, it's one of those deals that you want to share with people. Sure. Such as Lieutenant Dan over here. <laughs> and Lieutenant Dan, we just learned in the last, I don't know, before Spam and Mount Sinai, <laughs> we learned that you are the type of guy that will pass up on an adventure to go fishing. That it's one of those things that uh, y- you just caught a big old smallmouth here a while back. It's true.
6: Two what, weeks ago? What what <laughs> yeah. that thing way. <clears throat> I couldn't tell you. Weeding I'm not a fisherman. We didn't weigh it,
1: but I'd, I'd say it was probably a 14, 15 inch. Not, a, not the uh, biggest, well, How but much? a so pound and half, it's for a half. For a creek, a small creek like what we were in. Ten-year-old fish. That's a pretty good fish. Yeah.
2: So a so pound is and that half, a half, and a half, yeah. <laughs> you, what did you, you say over there, You bro? said how much is the whale about 14 inches long <laughs> I mean, well i mean i don't know what it weighed with, with the well you got to
1: convert that to cubits and then
2: i don't know what it, it weighed like the, with the the,
1: the creek level
0: went down two inches
4: <laughs> so <laughs> check it out <laughs> yeah. did
0: do you think that the reason why you haven't quite felt, fallen in love is because of
6: lack of success uh lack of good teachers is what i would blame that's it on what? so no i'm kidding uh i don't know I like a, That was a shot at me that was a shot at you um <laughs> probably lack of success. I also just have other passions, and so I'll go on the river and be with them. So what the are your guys. what are your some some of your other passions? Um, so Podcasting, I love podcasting. I, I like creating stuff, so I'm into graphic design. I studied architecture in college, so I kind of like more of the art scene. I like movies, I like books and stuff, and so Daniel runs seven other podcasts. Seven other podcasts, yeah, okay. that's a lot so, of podcasts. So, so, yeah, so, so <laughs> technology, I, I'm I'm really deep into that. So being so.
3: down out there on out there on the water, it just it's it's well, cool, but it's just not your bag.
6: It's just different. So like whenever like their life giving thing on the river is to catch a fish. My life-giving thing would be to be with them and, like, maybe take a photo of it or a video. Right. and so or just, show people
3: yeah. them catching fish. Yeah,
6: it's just a different form of capture. Like, they're capturing fish. I'm just going to capture the moment more. and so that. um, I just good. enjoy that. And I've just never really gotten to fishing. Probably the most enjoyable fishing experience I've ever had was actually two weeks ago when it was just me and him out on this creek. And we were sight fishing. And I've never sight fished before. And it was... Awesome! I'm telling you, he's like he, throw it there. I'm like, oh, okay. I told and him you. You see the fish take? It's like, oh my gosh! I see why people love this. Yeah. So, yeah. so let me ask you this:
0: Do you feel like? Because I do. This is this is a feeling that I have. I feel like the advent out, uh, Jimmy Houston, Hank Parker, all of these guys, the the forefathers that have been around our whole life of yeah. TV fishing, yeah back when they were filming these shows they showed the ability to go out and catch fish now they were still selling product because you got to sell product to have that show but the emphasis was on the fishing and the good time and as we've morphed into this industry uh, the outdoor industry everything is intimidating to the novice because if they watch that show and lieutenant dan's going to be able to vouch for this mm-hmm. as they watch that show uh, well hell i got to have an eighty thousand dollar ranger boat i gotta have a boat i gotta have, have ride and rail i've, I've got, and, got to and have somewhere, this and somewhere to go co- yeah. computer screen that shows me where the fish are at i've got to have 12 tackle boxes i got to have that brand new truck to pull it and the truth is and you know this the truth is is a worm a hook a split shot and a bobber is going to catch you as many fish as anything else yeah absolutely uh, you can go turn over a rock and find your bait mm. now the fly fishing and the culture of fly fishing is a minimalist type fishing mm. right yeah i mean there's uh, it's just
3: you and the river and the fish there's
0: right. events that are a one fly event yeah right yeah you are. take your best fly out there and this is what you're going to use and and so it doesn't take a lot. I mean, you got some rabbit And, and that's
3: true that's a true fishing tournament. Yeah. Where got a guy that's, everybody's got an $80,000 boat. So.
1: And going out there and. That's less about fishing and more about gear sometimes. Exactly. It is. And, and, and sir, who's and got to, the biggest dick, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and fly fishing is, is, I think a lot of times gets a, a rap of like, it can be elitist or it can be intimidating because it's, <clears throat> it's what, like the old culture of fly fishing was, it is elitist and you're using a $800 bamboo rod and you're doing all these things and your flies are hand tied and it's only feathers and there's a purism to it. And it's just like nowadays, that's just not the case. Like I feel like it's, it's come around where so many people are are realizing that like, it's just a different way you can catch any fish that you can catch on a spin rod on a fly rod. It's just a different way to do it. Right.
0: So as, as an industry, whether it be hunting or fishing, both of those on TV is sold to us a, a, in an environment of you buy this and your success will come exactly right and the intimidation of a dad taking his son when the dad doesn't know the, the sport mm-hmm. or the passion and he thinks he's gonna have to that aisle at whether it's at Cabela's or Walmart Academy that thing is set up to s- catch you right yeah and catching a fish is a chance but the aisle is set up to catch you as the guy with the money in the pocket and so one of the reasons why i enjoy catching pan fish and and that'd be the trout i think that they're a fish that especially here in the state of arkansas that you can go out as a novice i mean any critter that's going to eat a piece of corn <laughs> when corn ain't native to that water yeah
3: or even, Not or, super even hard to or even, crappie or even, yeah. you know, brim. All,
0: all, to be honest with you, all the fish. All yeah. panfish. You can catch those fish on a white crappie jig with a lead head and a hook. Absolutely. But the best eating fish, to, in my knowledge, the easiest to catch. They are. And mm-hmm. on the hunting side, there's this paradigm that I got to have me side by side. I got to have me at tree stand. I gotta have. I can't stink. Yeah, I can't do any oh, of that. Oh the scent control I've stuff I've killed is crazy. more deer smoking a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> and and if, if if we look at the pictures, the black and white photos of the guys that were hunting when the deer population was a fragment of what it is now, right? They were wearing. You can't tell in the photo, but you got to just believe me on this. It was a Old red and black flannel. flannel flat old school old school shit yeah they were they it's not camo they had a cigarette in their hand they were holding a cup of coffee and they're standing next to this animal that was a rarity to see and so one of my personal goals is to simplify and that's why we cook squirrels Mm -hmm. is to simplify the fact that that's cool if you want to buy that stuff yeah It's kind of like these guys riding the bicycles. They'll pay $12,000 to lose four ounces on a bicycle when my opinion is eat at Taco Bell the night before and you'll lose a pound and a half. (laughs) Because I might shit four pounds. And so on over. Here. Bring that
1: cushy seat over here. We got a mic for you, Kyle. We've got. Come the, on, Kyle. The, We've been tar- talking about you, the man. Third but, member I mean, of the but, but I'm is right here. there
3: with you. I mean, as far as uh, the whole bicycle deal, ain't, I mean that's Northwest Arkansas. So people <laughs> like that, and hey, that yeah. if, that, if that's what you like,
1: yeah, more power to you. Yeah, get outside, go do it, yeah. go explore it, and, and, you're, and again, you're, built, you're getting outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're building blah, that blah, appreciation blah. for what we have, um, and that's there's definitely no knock on the mountain bikers they they definitely play a part and um and we all need to kind of rally around them as well to to welcome them into the outdoor community just because right. just because they might not hunt and fish doesn't mean that they aren't using the resource and that they can't be advocates for it as and well. the land that's acquired to put those in yeah and that's and, we, in. and we yep. want everybody we want everybody out there
3: right to You know, take advantage of our resources. Take
1: advantage of it and and protect it and conserve it because you don't want someone out there who's reckless about it. Right. But that's going way back. What we do is two things: education and conservation. We want to educate people to be proficient, but we also talk about like how do you do so in a way that's not damaging to the long term because you want your grandson right to go out there and do it right, and you want your grandchild. So we just we just had Kyle Plunkett. uh, Thanks for having me. You yeah. bet. Walking late. <laughs> Welcome, <laughs> Kyle. Two hours in, or how? How Bill? How long we've we been going?
2: Two hours and eleven minutes. Oh, well, we, just go. oh we just got started. We just got started. We got, got three started. more hours at least. Take that back, Kyle. The new Kyle at the table. <laughs> yes,
0: sir. What do you think your podcast is doing, and what's the long-term plan to get the people who are the unknowing involved in the outdoors? And when
3: we
1: say unknowing, we're we're talking people that don't hunt and fish right yeah, Those, not, those not, people not, who moved from chicago sold their place and bought land here yeah is that who you're talking about yeah, yeah.
0: it's because one of our goals as a show this year was to bring in guys of your age group okay because it, it's common knowledge on the street for us older fellas that you guys suck. Right. Well, no, no. I mean, yeah. not, not, not bad. I mean, I mean,
3: Kyle's 27. Kyle, how old Same boat. Okay. Same, same they all growed up
0: together.
3: Well, yeah, we so grew up. So, we're, we're, me and Joe are just a shade older than you guys. <laughs> 27 <laughs> and a half. Well, I'm <laughs> closer to 30. I tell everybody 37, I'm actually
0: 43. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we wanted to change that theory and show people, no, the youth is doing stuff. That's important, and they're hitting it from a different angle than what we hit it by. Right. And me, and, me and Joe didn't know what podcast was.
3: Yeah, <laughs> well, they
0: didn't have. So we had
3: AM radio, <laughs> and, the, and and now, by God,
0: bam! So y'all got your own podcast. And it's so, <laughs> pretty good. So it's important to me to show that our youth and guys that are ten years younger than you still are passionate. They have they have passions that are important, and. In the long term, it's best for the well-being of the elders. That's a hard sell for you guys would have a real hard time selling it. It's important that Joe and I and Bill and Aaron, Aaron's a young guy, to try to sell that deal and show, no, we brought in some guys that are in their 20s that are more passionate than we were. Same, same views as we got. They're mm-hmm. doing it in a more streamlined way to where our conservation was not to leave the worm box on the creek bank or pick up our beer cans. Your guys' way is what could we do for the water? Mm-hmm. What could we do for the actual environment? we didn't even have a word called environment and that's no shit. There there wasn't one. Seriously, what's that? Like, that's not a word that was cast out upon
1: us. Did you grow up saying the word ecosystem? No.
0: (laughs) I thought that just meant like it was cheap. Just outside. (laughs) Right. Just outside in in general. general. Yeah, Yeah, it was
1: treason. Yeah, that's the
0: outside. That's dirt out there. (laughs) And uh, so when when I watch stuff and I listen to your guys' show and, and everybody else's, and I hear this real technical jargon, and that means that you've put your nose into it, and you've studied it, and you've read more books. Um, and that's what—that's that, something that grabbed me about you guys' podcast. It's not—it's
3: not just fishing, but it's like the art mm-hmm. that goes along with fishing. And the—the the guy that you had on with the photographer, yeah, Tim, that, Tim that Burks, explained. Yeah what how long it took to take that picture mm-hmm. and 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 he was so well at that that i could i could visualize him moving his lights mm-hmm. to capture the bluffs in the trees but be, be, between him and the Yeah and, and yeah i mean that's and show ca- showcasing the the guys right, that right. left you this yeah guys that's cool i mean i mean. When you can visualize mm. that in your mm. mind what that guy what that guy took to do that
2: for a three second and, photo. And mm. to your show about whatever the, the Conservation and the consideration of smallmouth bass. Mm-hmm. I will never ever keep another smallmouth bass. In my I never have. There we go. That's. A, I mean, that's a, I, never had. I, didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> what I didn't know. I mean, I mean for years
3: I was yeah. catching grease.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and and actually, um, Dwayne Hayda, I think he talked about this on maybe on the podcast. But when he was growing up, he is there is no one in my opinion there is no one more passionate about smallmouth than someone like Dwayne Hayda today but when he was growing up back we were talking about he's growing up he didn't have access to his access to water was spring water coming out of the ground he grew up catching smallmouth for for food mm-hmm. and to so eat. even yeah. to eat so even that has changed within within people like that as we've come to learn more about it and as we see things changing that hole that you grew up going to is blown out there's no smallmouth left in that in that hole behind that boulder where you could go there and always catch a fish because the last three times you were there, you took them out or maybe the next guy did and you just took out with three fish, you took out 30 years of growth. It's going to be 30 years until that's replaced. Exactly.
0: Three years ago, I was was fishing in uh, Whittier, Alaska. And it's one of the most Alaskan places that you can ever put your eyes on, especially in early spring. And uh, so we're fishing in... 500 feet deep of water with this damn old lead spoon with a treble hook <laughs> on it. And my thought was, is I don't want to reel this up because it's going to suck. And so we drop all the way down and I bounced that jig twice and I felt the slightest tug and I reeled up this jig. and took a minute. <laughs> and on this, this treble hook is a fish about... What's those measurements for Noah's Ark? Cubits. This <laughs> is about a cubit and a little bit.
7: Okay. A cubit and a bit. So cubit
0: bit. it's more, it ain't from the tip of the finger to the elbow, it's all the way to the armpit. Mm. Okay. That's a cubit and a half. Love it. And uh, this is a bright orangish red fish with giant yellow eyes. You know what they call them? Orange fish with yellow eyes. No. Yellow eye. Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> Figure. <laughs> and so <laughs>
0: i get this yellow eye and i told my buddy who's my captain i said hey what's up with these fish he said man a yellow eye of that size he said that's a trophy he said one of the best eating fish you could eat i said what do you want to do he said throw it in the box and i dropped back down and boom felt it hit reeled up caught another one. we were allowed two of these well, that night I got a little bit of internet service and I was laying there. I say night, the sun was kind of up still. It's <laughs> <That's> uh, Alaska. <laughs> yeah. I look up this fish and the fish that I had caught was somewhere between 115 years old and 125 years Holy old. Holy cow. No way. And I'm thinking this fish outdates the automobile. And there was a... That's crazy. There was a ton of fish. As a redneck human being, out of all honesty, if it tastes like a fish, we don't want to eat it. What we want to eat is fried cornmeal. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Put some fish fry on there. That's why the Frito is so successful. All it is is fried cornmeal. Mm -hmm. And it was an accident, too. Yeah. If it tastes like what a fish smells like that's garbage I'm throwing it back in there so I'm thinking man I just killed two of these fishes that fishes? are 115 years old to put some cornmeal on and fry it in the grease We're and talk- it was a it was a conservation moment
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: we are talking about helmet no yellow, Is eye. It yellow eye oh, yellow eye yellow eye um it was one of those deals to where the next day we go out and I drop down and I caught one. And, you know, there's a process when you catch a fish that deep, how to release it. And and you don't even know if it's really successful. Mm-hmm. It's it's a chance, right? Yeah. He may but, die. But uh, we made the, the decision that, hell, we don't even need to fish right here no more. And just because of you, you were aware of the age. Is that why? Yeah, I just thought that. What am I killing? Here's one thing I can 100% guarantee I will never see 125 years. Um, Yeah, that's true. That thing had went through every day of its life. The chances of something coming up and eating it was there. And somehow I was blessed and lucky enough that that fish ate a stupid piece of lead with a hook
1: in it. Lived through two world wars just <laughs> yeah, to man. die by the lead jig that you had <laughs> down there that day. Hundred <laughs> percent right and so Russians over on the bank looking at you.
0: So <laughs> we could go out and we could catch countless number of codfish that are a more sustainable fish, right? These codfish he's wanting brown water. You want yeah. brown water. He's got the taste of spam on his breath. You're going straight from the bottle? And uh, it was a conservation moment for me. Now, whenever it comes to deer hunting, I think the older that we've got, it's more important for our kids to shoot the bigger deer. We'll we'll pass on deer. No, you don't. If he would have woke up, he would (laughs) have shot that thing. (laughs) He shot at it. (laughs) I shot it. We got a story. I shot like 154 and three-eighths buck deer. That, that my grandson shot at the week before. And didn't get it done. Oh, man. And then I took my well, he son. missed it. I took my son to kill it. Yeah. And my son told me it was the most beautiful day he'd ever had. And <clears> then he then was That, night, that <laughs> night, I said, well, I'm going to wake you up in the morning and take you out. We're going to get that thing woke him up in the morning and all of his clothes was balled up in the corner. He's, he's eight. And I said, son, you ready to go? And he said, dad, I don't think it's a good idea. I said, why? He said, I sharted. (laughs) (laughs) And and my stomach hurts. So So I went out Son sharted himself. (laughs) (laughs) So in 30 30 minutes in the deal, I put down the big, big bus.
1: That's a crazy deer.
0: So back to you. What are you doing? to, to leave something better for the future.
7: So I think when I'm, when we're thinking the Ozark podcast and Daniel and Kyle, y'all can speak to this as well, but we grew up in the world where we had everything you could ever want to know about anything in our pockets at all times. So, I mean, sure, we didn't have the iPhone in middle school, but pretty much from then on high school, wherever we could know anything you'd want to know about anything just with the swipe of a thumb. And we realized pretty quickly when it comes to the outdoor world and especially how we grew up, whether it be learning how to hunt and fish from our grand grand granddads or dads or aunts, uncles, however it works, or loving photography or hiking or canoeing, Dan, all Dan's things. um, It wasn't it wasn't just going to take information. I think that's going to conserve the Ozarks. I think it's going to take I think it's going to take exposure. And then more than that, I think it's going to take passion. Mm -hmm. And so. What we try to do especially as we're telling stories interviewing guests learning about all that we learn it's i mean ultimately it's fueled from a a place of passion like i want to be a really good fisherman i want to be a really good deer hunter i want to be a really good bear hunter all of that kind of stuff but if we can get people who are moving in or growing up and don't know about what we have as a resource if we can get them passionate about it and it can be anything it can be learning how to fish for the first time or wanting to conserve you know that native field that's going to be that you know that could be a subdivided neighborhood at some point and they're an advocate for it exactly i want them passionate for it and understanding the heritage that it comes from what it can be where it can lead all of that to be i mean really what fuels everything that we do uh, but also on that like
1: to know how to do it like mm-hmm. we've been learning how you go i mean we were talking we've talked with people who are they're deer hunters so uh, we interviewed brad harris excellent deer hunter the he invented the buck grunt from the Ozarks. When he introduced it in 1970, 1980s, he went up on stage and he gave a seminar on how deer make this noise, and he got laughed off the stage. People didn't believe him. People didn't believe him. Right. But it's it's learning how to do the things, bear hunting, deer hunting. Kyle's actually shot two bears in his in his lifetime, and he's killed some big deer too. Um, and and just passing that on, but also like the knowledge that he's gained from doing that, but also th- that we've gained from talking to other people, It's not just about conservation. Like, conservation is important, but if you don't have people who are successful, you asked Daniel about, was it because he didn't have a lack of success? If you don't have a lack of success when you go fishing, you might not go back. Right. If you don't have success when you go out into the turkey woods, you don't see any turkeys, like, why would I go back? Why would I go go back? walk around. Which which in Arkansas is pretty tough.
3: Yeah. It's tough. I mean, I've, I've, I've been in Illinois, Kansas, Iowa, and killed a lot of turkey. Yeah. But... Arkansas tough boys. Oh it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're pretty bad. I mean about I've not I've not killed a turkey in Arkansas. Oh, I and I either. would love to kill one. Killed a bear but not a turkey. <laughs> but I mean and to hear you talk about killing bear, I mean I've I've been on one bear hunt and it was not successful. I mean I'm thinking I'm all pumped up. Yeah and you're ready. I've got I've got a guide, you know. And and I'm like, so do you hear them? Do you hear them coming through the forest? What time does the <laughs> bear show up? <laughs> and, they're like, and, and they're like, "Yeah, you can hear they're me. really loud
7: coming through the forest."
3: <laughs> as long as you can and, then, the and I hear, and I hear this, like we all hear, Boone and Crockett armadillo. What was it? Armadillo. <laughs> yeah.
7: Those are the loudest critters in the woods. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. Because they're blind. You know, Uh
3: they don't see very good. They're like a a 50-year-old Hispanic guy. They can't hear. (laughs) They can't see nothing, you know. They're just (laughs) crashing and everything. (laughs) But, I mean, to to hear you guys' stories, that's great. Because you guys are, I would say, a generation behind us. Yeah. Roughly. Definitely. But uh, to hear you guys' story and (laughs)
7: to know that you guys are – the whole com- conservation deal it's cool well and we're, we're passionate we're, too is it conservation is not <clears> preservation <throat> we've talked about this before on the show mm. but preservation is just close humans leave you close it down you yeah. don't touch it and i actually think good sustainable hunting and fishing is some of the best conservation that right that we can do and you know you take the black bear for example and we all know that story but yeah i mean it the the hunting and fishing tactics are gonna lead to good conservation at the end of the day too. Right, and if we can't get people out in the deer woods, for example, we're gonna get run over by the whitetail, mm. <laughs> especially in my neighborhood. So,
3: so what would yeah. you think? What would you guys think as far as say people in the woods nowadays versus twenty years ago? Percentage
1: they, of hunters they weren't there. I don't know. They weren't I, there. Say I mean, twenty years ago.
7: It's a a lower percentage, but probably a higher success rate. You think? So I don't think the numbers, I don't think they even out perfectly. I think there's a lot more people in the woods and they would get lucky. But I think the guys and girls who are passionate about what they're doing in, in their outdoor pursuits these days, they're probably more successful, more successful. just with the internet <laughs> yeah. and podcasts. And, and, and you stuff. just have
1: more deer, period. And when you, more got deer. A, you got an yeah. app
7: on your phone that tells you when well, that so much is coming. Oh, t- well, yeah. It's yeah. like, hey, it's peak time at whatever. And you're like, I'm going to go, go there. Then. Oh, yeah. The deer cast, it's <laughs> yeah, like, go at 6 a.m. Because well, the wind
1: will be here and the moon will be here. And you're like, the, sweet. The, I'll be there.
0: The advent of game cameras was was a big big thing mm-hmm. oh yeah when
1: and,
3: you know what time that buck is coming there
0: every yeah, day yeah because you can sit on a field and never see a deer but the camera shows you that there's two big bucks walking through it every night and i gives I you would, a reason to be there but you
3: all can be out there all day if as long as i'm seeing deer
0: i'm there all day yeah mm-hmm. i'm gonna say that the advent of the of that game camera showed people the nocturnal life mm-hmm. of wildlife, Yeah. and which is something that was short of a coon hunter had no idea that there was that much movement.
3: But even the whole coon coon hunting deal—I mean, when we went, well, you weren't there. You weren't there, but we were down on the Mississippi. Mm-hmm. They've got they've got dogs with GPS collars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you drive out in the woods, you turn your dogs loose, and you listen for your dogs just like old times, but you know where they're at. It's that one. You hear it, you hear your hear dogs, and you pull it up on the GPS, you can drive right to your dogs. And it's you easier. may walk to 100 yards I think and one. shoot his ass right out of the tree. Is that me?
0: Nope, it was that one. Um, but
3: seriously, I mean, it's the hold.
0: I mean, it's the it's the hours you put in. It's it. technology. Yeah. It's
3: technology, and it's cool. It's, and it's, I'm all for that.
0: These guys, these guys put in a lot more hours of planning, preparation, to where back in the day, the calendar said it's deer season. You grab your gun. You go out there and you deer hunt Mm -hmm. and now with folks going out and doing food plots they're building habitat they're providing an environment for that animal to come so the success level Mm -hmm. is gonna it's a no-brainer the success level is going to go up Mm -hmm. to where you had success at one tree 30 years ago so now that's your tree Right. right, and that's where you're going to go sit because you had that success. Just same.
3: like just like we talked earlier, I mean, we put out food plots, we had deer coming in, we had a nice buck came in, and we didn't hunt the next weekend, but Joe did, mm-hmm. and he was there. Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: you got to put, put more work in, mm-hmm. yeah. and and so through your guys's education through on your podcast, it, you know, the guests being descriptive and you trying to pull that information out of them you know as as a fellow podcaster you don't always get a good storyteller yeah you may have <laughs> yeah, sometimes a, you don't you'll have an educated person who's a right. specialist mm-hmm. and it, for you guys to sit there and be able to coax out that that information that's valuable right there was a time In everything, whether it be hunting or competition, cooking, secrets were secrets, and that led to your success, so you held on to your secret, Mm -hmm. and we're in an environment now to where our secrets are public. You're right. And so everything's shared now. Yeah, so if, if we know that there's a better way to cook a deer, we put that information out there so everybody can enjoy Deer cooked correctly mm-hmm. Why do you think That's changed I mean, I know. Because I mean, of what you guys have Just discussed It's I mean, what's like, in your pocket Like me and Joe Me and Joe Are not podcast guys
3: Hell we're I sto- am We're story <laughs> We're storytellers <laughs> yeah. I mean you may be A podcast guy Face it pal I'm a, I'm a, a sto- podcast I'm a, guy I'm a storyteller <laughs> Face it <laughs> I've been telling I've been telling stories And hey Some of them are The same damn stories yeah. I've been telling stories For Shit 30 years guys no I'm longer 54 than that, I mean, you I was fifty three like ten minutes ago, <laughs> <laughs> or forty seven. My birthday was well time flies. <laughs> and I, so. No, but seriously, I, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a storyteller. I'm not, I'm not a podcast guy. I guess I am. You are. But, but uh, that's, that's
1: what a podcast guy is. So storyteller. That's man.
2: right. But I mean, we, me and Joe are storytellers. Yeah, you we are. We've been telling. Well, Have you stories. noticed you're on about your eightieth podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Okay. But. I got Whatever. your I got your answer. <laughs> okay. Men like to brag.
0: But it's not even hmm. bragging. Oh, this this is going to tie into this. Men, we like to brag. If, if you catch a big fish, I'm showing people the big fish. Sure, yeah, yeah. Back in the day, it was cut the head off, put it on the fence post. Hmm. So everybody who drove by the fence post seen how big that mouth was on that bass. Nowadays,
3: I got pictures on my phone of ever bigger fish. So than now
0: that. you shoot 12 hogs. You stack them, take a picture. Me personally, I'm gonna put a few filters in there. <laughs>
1: You're a filter guy. Make them look I, real pretty. I'm a, I'm a filter guy. What's your, what's your go-to? I wouldn't have. I, I got. That.
0: I got a little secret. A I'll let you in off-air. Right, right. right. uh, <laughs> off-air, so there are still secrets. So what do you mean filter? <laughs> yeah. It's. Uh, let me get on this one before we go down to spam road. But so the, we're going California ways. <laughs> the uh, the deal is, is guys like to brag, and so with our bragging. Comes our secrets, and so if Bill cooks a mean roast, and everybody says he knows he's been known to cook, everybody says, "Damn, Bill,
2: that's a sexy roast. How did you cook it?" Well, you just get one of my cookbooks. (laughs) (laughs) So Bill's going to tell you how. Let me tell you about Spy
0: Solutions. (laughs) Spy Solutions. If you catch a big old smallmouth. People say, "What'd you catch it on?" That may be a little bit of a bluff. Hey,
3: how'd you catch it? So much right
0: You're going to tell people that skill, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so I think, as being men and wanting to brag, it's our trophy now to give you that because I can give you a recipe, but that don't mean it's going to taste like what I what I gave you.
4: Mm.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. you could give me a secret on how to catch a fish. That don't mean that I'm going to catch that fish. It's, you may not be on the same creek. It still takes the time. I heard you mention on the podcast an old story that it's it's or maybe it was the 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 smallmouth guide. It's it's not the years, it's the miles. Yeah, Tad. Right. So that's the truth. Mm-hmm. We can all give everybody every bit of our mentorship, our influence, our secrets, our information. But until you put the time in, it don't matter what I
1: tell you. You're still going to wad up that brisket. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's going to be great. I
1: think that's a good point because a lot of people will be like the gatekeeper of like a fly or a lure or a specific spot. Or like they'll be like, okay, well, let's not talk about like, you know, we're, we're on Crooked Creek today. Let's not talk about where we're at. And it's like, I don't feel... I don't feel that pressure to not talk about it because I'm like, the people still have to come here and put in the work and put in the time. Just because we talk about it doesn't mean that they're going to come catch it. Doesn't mean that they're even going to come to the place just because we talk about it. And, and if we talk about everything, then all of it's on the table. Yeah, you right.
0: got three guys on a boat, one of them's a crappie whisper.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, one's, on, could one's be on the front and one's on the back. You,
0: and the dude in the middle could be tearing them up. And right. y'all could use the same jig at the same depth, but yeah. that dude knows how to twitch it and knows yep. how to fill it. Right. And he'll throw more of them in the boat. And so, secret should be open to the public mm-hmm. on this stuff. Well, if you got to have
1: you that it Everybody's got to have that edge. If you put it all on the table, nothing's a secret. Like, if nothing's a secret, then everyone knows. And then we're just back to that. Uh, you were talking about everyone's on the same playing field. But, but everything can be a secret, but not everybody's <laughs> going to give
3: up all their secrets. <laughs> this <laughs> is true. <laughs> true. But you're, everybody's you're
7: right going to keep an edge. You're right about the bragging, though. If right. it's all on the table and you're still catching the biggest fish, yeah, then you're, even like, you're the guy. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> but you're not going <laughs> to you're you're give,
3: give up all the information.
7: That's,
0: that's
3: probably true. Not uh, everything. You're gonna uh, out, it's or, something or hey, you twitch it. Just like Wilson said. Hey, twitch it. Yeah.
0: That's how you hold your mouth, right? Yeah, that's what they used to say.
3: It's not. It's not how. Uh, what they say. It's not how deep the well tell you dang on a rope. So, uh, here's how what big we're your pencil do. is it's how you sign your My name. My phone
0: says it is eight thirty of the evening. Mm. So we're going to wrap this up. That's what we're going to do is we're going to go through and we're going to ask each one of you our traditional questions. Okay, <laughs> love it. And um, we usually start with Aaron. I'll hey. do his. Go Real ahead, quick. Joe. So we always ask the same. Aaron
3: always asks a question. I'm going to ask you.
0: Why not Dan?
1: Well, we'll ask Dan. <laughs>
0: this overla- is a cool I podcast. I just
3: overlooked him. I just overlooked him.
1: the longer we run. So yeah. uh, if we go for four hours, will another person walk in the door? Maybe there
3: might be. <laughs> just keep going. So, so Daniel. Yeah. What's it make,
6: what, what does it take?
3: Man? What makes a man? What, what makes, makes a, a man? man?
6: Shoot, that's a damn that's question. A good, good question. You know?
3: um, so you
1: guys can be thinking ahead. Yeah, I'm glad you went first, Dan. I have an answer for this. Yeah, let him go. I'll think about it. We're gonna come are you, back to you. Do y'all do y'all, <laughs> y'all go in order? And like, you no, do, we don't to no, go ahead. You're we'll go to you, Kyle. I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day, and I was thinking back on my dad, and I realized that I have never seen him run. Never Your seen dad and run. me would get along <laughs> You know what I mean? Like a grown it, man he, doesn't run. I've never seen my dad. Is full, he like full out sprint? He's not obese. He's not fat. Like <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> what I'm thinking of. No, no, to. no. He he's a in shape dude, but he's never run. And I was thinking about. it I was like, you know what? As a boy, you're running all the time. I did cross country. We did cross country together. In school. Um, so, I did track. We did basketball. We were playing sports. <laughs> I was way faster than Daniel. <laughs> way faster. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so so back no, 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 to my no, no, question. No, 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 I'm, ra- I'm, I'm coming full circle. So so as a boy, you run a lot. I've never seen my dad ran run, and in my mind, he's he's the epitome of a man, right? So you become a man when you no longer run and it's time <laughs> to stand and fight like <laughs> that's what i i was having this conversation i'm not
0: but, laughing it's a good story like two, two days no, I'm ago laughing. two I'm days laughing. ago
1: is who if if someone's coming in your house and there's trouble or you're at the bar and there's trouble and you know what i mean the man's gonna stay and fight you don't run
7: the boy's gonna run there you that's all know. i can think
0: of ain't that inspirational
1: i'm for it
7: okay so next cow it's a good answer oh i think we're back to dan I don't want to follow that.
3: I like putting Daniel Daniel wanna want me to, Daniel okay. wasn't to skip him. So we're, we're gonna skip going, him? Yeah, All right. gonna okay, skip you him. go, you go.
7: My answer is a little bit more simple and has less of a story. Yeah. I think what makes a man I think it's honesty. I think if you're honest with yourself about who you are, what you're passionate about, what you care about, honest with your spouse, honest with your kids, honest about your career, honest about how you do things, how you go about things. I think I think a, a true marker of a man is if he's willing to be honest.
6: Nice, good answer. That's a good answer. It's real good. Uh, mine's pretty simple as well. I think passion. So a lot of the guys that I look up to, they they don't do anything for like reasons other than passion. So it's always an overflow of what they do. I think of like even Clay Newcomb, someone that we we talk about a lot, is he just he he's very passionate about what he does, and then he has like like money is not his main passion. He's, it's, am, he's amazing, right? It's it's all the other uh-huh. things. It's the overflow, and so I think a a man has a lives a passionate life. Mm. So women okay, so, can be passionate.
3: So I've it's already not asked. just for women. <laughs> so so I ask Aaron's question, and I always ask my question last. So, so you're so, going to ask it, or you I'm going to go ahead and throw mine in. Okay. All
1: right, switching it up,
3: switching it up. So my question is. And I always so I usually throw it in on the on the end, but he's switching it up. We're gonna switch it up. What is your As we best? And we're gonna go with Kyle. Okay, or, or we can go with. Well, Daniel. I gotta hear the question <laughs> first. Just go, Kyle. This is it's easy. Okay, we're gonna start with Daniel. Okay, what Spit is your there, best? <laughs> what is your favorite
6: childhood memory? Shoot, that's that's easy, man. That's the easy easy one. Got a lot of really good childhood memories. No, you don't.
3: But you're. We're not taking. We're not talking about all of them. We're just talking about your favorite. Just pick one. I'll keep. I'll. I'll
6: keep it outdoors. Uh, So it
3: didn't have to be outdoors. He let the man say this This one's
6: distinctive. (laughs) Uh, This is actually. Actually, it involves both these people. Uh, It was on his grandfather's land. Uh, You were there with me, I think, and it was my dad, and he had his dad's uh, Colt forty-five. And we were at, at the top of a waterfall, and my dad's dad died when he was young. So this this pistol has always kind of been like a symbol of still him. Got it. And uh, you we're kind of in like the. Do you still have he the still pistol? has it. Yeah, he still has it. I I don't know where it is, but he has Does it. Do you want to sell it? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of sentimental value in it. Um, but he's sitting at the top of the uh, the waterfall, and he's like, "I'm gonna shoot this thing" because we're on private land and everything. And I just remember, I mean, I was like eight years old. It was cold. You're seeing all the steam, like the but the breath coming off, and he he like shoots this Colt forty-five, and it just like echoes down the canyon. And for some reason, in my mind, I was like, "That was that's so cool." cool. Shit. I felt like I was in like a western. I was like, <laughs> "Oh my gosh!" And it, your grandfather was there as well, who kind of became a pseudo grandfather for me. Uh, and so I don't know if that's my favorite, but that's a great memory. The, oh, yeah, right the, I, can, I can I can visualize <laughs> it, it so perfectly. Yeah, it comes to mind for sure. Kyle one.
1: Um, I'm gonna take you back to that Mulberry property I was telling you about my brother and i probably i'm probably six years old he's that makes him eight my dad and his best friend tony at the time um they would take us to the swimming hole which we were at milton's ford or nearby campbell cemetery which i mentioned earlier milton's ford was the next access down on the water my dad and tony would take my brother Connor and I to the swimming hole and they'd put us on these rafts and they were like canvas rafts, blue and red, just belly rafts and you just lay on them. Again, 6 and 8 years old, they would put us in the water and they would say, "Y'all head down river, we're going to meet y'all." And I don't know how far it was. It felt like 2 miles. 2 20, miles. 25 miles. <laughs> yeah. But think about, you know, a 6 and an 8-year-old doing this. They call that freedom, right? Today, yeah, right? And there was no girls there. No, girls. There was nothing. It was was wilderness to us. And I just remember us taking off. And and to me, that's like the first time that I feel like I was like completely on an adventure. On your own. On my own at risk. My dad wasn't over my shoulder. My mom wasn't there. It was me and my brother. And the river. We had to navigate the currents. There were snakes in the water. You know, if you get washed up, if you get pulled off the raft, you got to get back on. And they tr- my, dad tr- and my dad and my his friend trusted us with that to figure out how to do it to solve that problem and get down the river. They would drive their truck around to Milton's Ford, and they'd pick us out there. And who knows how long it took. It felt like it would be a two- or three-hour float. Pretty tribal deal. It yeah, was tribal, it was but pretty cool. it, it was something that I think back to this day, and I'm just like, man, that was so cool just to have. And I, and I still chase that feeling today, that sense of adventure mixed with risk. By God, let's go back. Mixed with the, the outdoors. Go. Kyle, too.
7: My favorite memory. Let me think for just a moment. I have a few, but I think the one I landed on, is, as y'all were sharing, is um, when I was eight, my little brother was six, my dad brought, bought a small hunting property out in, in uh, Huntsville, Madison County area, and uh, the plan was to put a, a hunting cabin out there, but before we could do that, we had a four-wheeler shed, and so my first deer hunting experience is we slept in the four-wheeler shed on the ground in uh, sleeping bags and about froze to death, like legitimately the coldest I've ever been. <laughs> and we woke <laughs> up freezing. My lips are blue. And my dad's like, we're getting in the, we're getting in the deer stand. And uh, jump on the four-wheeler, drive to the stand. And I remember sitting in the stand and watching the sun come up as I ate. Cherry pop tarts <laughs> and drank w root beer. Nah, that's, and it's you know, know, what five a no <laughs> that's what a that's not getting, right. Right. It's not getting so, any better than that. You know, and it's so early. You just hear the. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like all the deer. The but sitting there and watch the sun come up, and this is you know first time ever in the deer woods. That's when it gets really thinking, cold. Oh yeah, right before the sun comes oh, up. Oh yeah. But I'm, and i'm wearing walmart camo mittens <laughs> like rain boots stuffed with socks i didn't have any stuff i have my dad's rifle he's right next to me and what were we just, shooting? It, it was his 270 there way too big go. for an eight eight-year-old um, nah, not for you but i remember watching the sun come up and thinking i want to do this for the rest of my life rest like my this life. is the coolest thing not very long after that a doe walks in the field and i was young enough i'm like if it if it moves it's getting shot Dies. (laughs) yeah if if it's brown it's down right (laughs) yeah Yeah. and we can go warm up i can take these rain boots off so doe walks out in the field i shoot it and i remember the gun being so big that my dad had to reach out from the stand and hold the The front of it for me and and i was telling him as quietly as i could like a little bit lower a little bit higher all right hold it right there wow and i shot it kicked me uh you know threw me in the back of my seat Bam. bam doe drops it's on the ground and then i get to learn how to field dress a deer how to drag it back to camp string it up and then how to process it for the first time and uh i have second part to this memory i can remember my little brother and granddad driving back up into camp later morning and they had a deer as well a little little forked horn It was probably youth weekend so that was legal back when we had the three-point rule yeah and uh i remember we built a huge bonfire we all we had more A and W root beer and Pop Tarts. And, and, and you just and like a Oh, mm-hmm. it was just the coolest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Put the yeah. blood on the face to you know first deer, all that kind Kill of stuff. It. So, yeah. and uh, yeah, that was it. I, it was th- that whole weekend, but really those few hours of waking up freezing, getting in the stand, watching the sunrise, deer come out. That's a great like, story. This is the greatest. That's yeah. a great story. Thank all, you. All, all of
0: that. the stories were were great, and they're all the development from basically being a. A crumb eater into a boy yep. that's soon to turn into a man, and that's yeah. that's that's big steps. So, my deal, Dan, you ain't got a choice. You got to answer it okay. regardless. All right. So it's like it's 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 whatever comes to your mind. But in our lives, we all have mentors, mm-hmm. and we some of us have a lot. We've had some pretty oh special guests who claim that they don't even have one but I don't believe that. I believe yeah. that all of us have learned from others. So Dan, who is, and in, in, in like I say, you could say
6: you have many of them, but this yeah. one comes to mind. Who's your mentor in life? Um, the first one that popped in my, to my head was this guy named Garland Autry, who both of these guys know. He, he works at the church that I've attended my whole life. And uh, I would say early on in our uh, relationship, it was more of like a spiritual mentorship, and it still is, but now like we're friends. But I would say he, back to my what makes a man. He's very passionate about what he does, uh, and I see that as an overflow for him. And so um, I still go to him with like big life questions. Uh, he's he's really available all the time. He's still in my life, and so um, yeah, I would say Garland. Garland. Yeah, Kyle one. Uh, man, that's I feel like I fall more into the camp of
1: I have a lot. Um, so to pick one, I feel like depending on the time, of uh, my, depending on the time of my life, it's been someone different. I think real young is my dad. Nobody, nobody tops dad. I mean, he's Superman, um, and he he taught me all all the things that I a lot of the things I know today and the passions that I have today are because of him. Um, and so he's been a, a huge mentor in my life. And then as I got older, probably my brother my older brother um through like the teen years and 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 getting older and then honestly now it's I don't know that I have one it's but I think through the podcast is meeting different people I get I draw a lot of inspiration from the people that we get to talk to like Dwayne Hayda, like Kirk Dupes
7: um like Tim Ernst those guys solid nowadays solid yeah mine's easy answer it's my dad through and through was early um still is today we have a a very, very close relationship. And there's a, a lot of mile markers I can look back on, whether it be experiences or words of wisdom, um, just general life principles. I can remember when I proposed to my wife, um, we were out actually back at the cabin. A lot of stories revolve around that place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were clearing trees and planting food plots and we stopped mid, mid chainsaw to have a quick conversation. And he goes, hey, now that, you know, now that you're a man and you're getting married and you're out on your own and you're working, uh, like I won't, I won't give you advice that you don't ask for. And so, if you want to know something and you want advice, I won't insert myself into your world. But if mm-hmm. you need to know, you come to me, and I'm I'm an open book. I'll always mm-hmm. give you an answer. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was e- that was even for me pretty pretty formative into stepping into adulthood to know my dad has my back no matter what. That's awesome. But he's also not going to call me and be like, "Hey, you're doing it wrong, dummy." <laughs> like, I don't have that fear. It's yeah. the yeah. I can go to dad for anything, but past that, he's going to let so, me. So what was your
3: re- what was your reaction to that conversation when he said that?
7: I think I felt like he trusted me. Exactly. Yeah, like like you were both men Mm -hmm. at that point. Yeah, it was elevation to equal status. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Bill, close us out. Well, I got a quick question. What's
2: your favorite Mm -hmm. fish, fowl, or other game that you've
6: had to eat? How's it cooked? Ooh,
2: Dan,
4: Dan.
6: back to you, Dan. (laughs) Right off the bat, well. As it's probably already been said, I'm not a, I'm not a huge outdoorsman, but...
7: You see like this long enough, man, we're going to turn you into
6: one. I know, I know. Eventually, it'll happen. <laughs> we're going to
3: get you there, Daniel.
6: I know. Well, I'm hanging out with them, so I'll become the sum of their passions eventually. Venison burger. Which one of y'all no, made that?
1: That was me. Oh, wrong. That <laughs> was both of It was my burger, for sure.
6: Either way, the venison, it was I will fight you It was across better the table. than it I was better than regular burger. I, I guess we burger. both made you venison burgers. Yeah. Whose who's really who's was better? I don't remember. Okay, remember Kyle won.
1: This is important. You need to remember. <laughs> you got, Mike? Kyle? Is it your venison burger? I make a great venison burger. I'll just say that. Um, Man, let's see. I really like a fried trout. We were talking about how trout doesn't taste all that good. Oh, man. So
3: how do you prepare that trout? Mm,
1: it's
2: simple. We're I talking
3: f- like you flay it with no uh, bones in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. The whole, what you're talking if, about. It's heavy,
1: if that's even a thing, that you can flay it with no without any bones. There's still little bones in there. I'll get there. What you're talking <laughs> about, foil, lemon pepper, all that stuff. Garbage. I will never eat a trout that way again. I Me think neither. that is I think that Me is neither. so nasty. People who do that, I just don't understand. Maybe they do it a different way than I do. It's just not good. I also it. eat hamburger helper, bro. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> or squirrel helper. That's true. Um What about a smoked trout? I don't know that I've ever Well, bes- I've had well, smoked I trout. Smoked I have to. I've had I'm smoked trout, but um I've never prepared that. Fried okay. trout. Fried trout is what I do. Bingo. So fillet fillet you fillet it. Take the, take the guts out, take the fillets out. I take off the skin. You can leave the skin, but then you you carve off the rib bones, the hard rib bones. Then there's some spine bones in there that that stay, but they typically
7: cook soft if you've got they hot enough up oil. If you have of yeah, the bees, and yeah. Then I just do fish fry and stuff yeah. like that.
0: Perfect. What do you got,
7: Kyle? too My favorite is smoked venison tenderloin. Mm, <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah without great. a doubt. You're
7: speaking my Put language. It on son. the. Put on the smoker at two twenty five, and then reverse sear it. Some of us
2: call that backstrap. Is that what they? No, No, this is the actual tenderloin. tenderloin, the inside. The inside. The The
7: backstrap is pretty amazing too, but the tenderloin is not much. But that smoked is. Let me tell you a quick story.
3: We we, me and my boys went to Western Oklahoma on a deer hunt with some guys that had been deer hunting. They were in their seventies, and course in oklahoma to bring them back to arkansas you have to debone everything right so we're so i've I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to debone this thing and not gut it but drop the guts out far enough where i can get the inner loins out and i've got this guy looking over my shoulder and he says what are you doing i said i'm gonna i'm gonna gut this thing down far enough where i can get the inner loins out he said what are you talking about what I'm going to get the inner loins out. He says.
7: Has he never gotten them? Never in his life. The l- and this guy is the s- tanner 70s
3: tanner in his 70s. Come on. Never got the inner loins out of a deer. You're going to change his life. And I said, it. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to cook these for you tonight. <laughs> and I did. And he thought guys i've been deer hunting all my life and i did not know anything about the inner loins it's
7: the best cut that's amazing absolutely most that's
3: great have you ever had deer heart oh yeah it's a pretty good oh throw. i've eaten deer heart i've eaten deer heart deer lung deer
0: <laughs> boys deer gizzard what we no, got Deer is. actually don't have a gizzard What well, what we have is we we had a real good show with you guys and i appreciate dan even you even thank you, you. <laughs> Thank and you. Daniel showed up second. <laughs>
3: Even you, Dan.
0: You did. You did a real good job. You Thank got. You. you got a Daniel from New York, a voice <laughs> With <that> cap on. <laughs> you got a voice for this podcasting <laughs> deal. And man, you're a busy man doing seven of them. Both you, Kyle, ones and twos. Great guys. You're inspirational to to us because we know that our youth is strong, and, and you're gonna you're gonna protect stuff for us. And so for our listeners, I would tell you. Give it a shot. Listen to those Ark podcast. Um, follow these guys. They're they're more advanced than us. They're a video. <laughs> they actually are. they they we, we do have some video. They they've got some videos and,
7: and We're high tech.
3: <laughs> I tell
0: you what, we need to we need a little little fishing trip, all of us. Oh
3: man!
7: All over that.
0: Oh,
1: that's a great. Maybe you could, so. Maybe Seriously. we should sc- do that.
0: Maybe you could score these guys a place down at Eaton's place for a day. I know a guy. Let's do it done so down we could get that so i'm gonna tell for the listeners i'm gonna be on these guys' podcast here directly so i don't know which one's gonna air first but um we're gonna talk squirrel cook-off heck yeah and Hmm. uh so like us share us
2: what else bill what does Aaron say well i'll tell you what you ought to just start off with say don't forget to look up the ozark podcast ozark and Podcast. Then download it download it share it tell your people you love it and don't forget to listen to cooking up a story with aaron and joe's i've been having a good time sitting here for aaron tonight
3: rap it. thank you guys
5: they're into barbecue cooking women say they're good looking into me there ain't a way to go wrong if you're out at the lake or with the hippies getting baked they're gonna love it if you turn it off If laughter and good times Tall tales and big lies Fall under your category Get with Aaron and Joes Cause you know you wanna go And hear them cooking up a story Just get with Aaron and Joes Hey, you know you wanna go And hear them cooking up a story